This is Free Talk Live. Talk radio you control. Take control of the airways with 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE as in Free Talk Live. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And how? And it's Memorial Day. It is Memorial evidently. Day, yes. I, I would have completely missed it if they hadn't been talking about it at work all weekend because, you know, changing business and all of that. Uh, it's not a holiday that I'm particularly Changing inclined. business? What's that mean? Uh, making us busier. Okay. Essentially. I see. I tried to simply very loosely allude to my other job and not okay. get into specifics. All right. But yeah, it's not a holiday that I'm particularly observant of. I suspect the two of you are not either. Well, it's a it's a holiday and other people celebrate it. So that's you know, true. If you want to have a little picnic or something, it's a nice day to do that. Did you see that the U.S. Army attempted to make people feel patriotic about their service? And it sort of backfired with lots of people going to Twitter to talk about how. Yes. It had. You know, giving them PTSD and more or less just ruined their lives. Yeah, I uh, more it was something like tell your veteran story, and they did. They did indeed. It um, was even worse than that because it was something like tell us how the army has affected you, <laughs> which yeah. sometimes people forget that the internet doesn't only exist in the U.S. Oh, were were there people from like Yemen? I don't or- know. But that's not how you should phrase something that you're going to post on the internet. I just saw the people who are like, oh, well, they blew my leg up and refused to pay for it. Stuff like that. Right. But I didn't actually go search, so I don't know. But other people are celebrating it in another way, it would seem, by erecting a monument to veteran suicides or something to that effect. Mark, you have the story. Yeah, this is from the Buffalo News and a a group of people who, you know, veterans who have uh, died who really don't get a lot of attention are the suicides because, um, you know, there's veteran suicide seems higher than your average suicide rate. 6,000 every year since 2008. And that's higher than anything out of a conflict. Um, You know, there's been more suicides uh, basically daily than there are veterans killed on the vast majority of days since 2001 and it's probably before that too that's staggering when you think about it in those terms i didn't stack that against combat deaths but yeah it seems that what's more lethal to the american military is not the enemy but fighting right and combat deaths are the ones that show up for people and uh, you know i mean there's there's a lot fewer of them than there used to be there's certainly harrowing for the family to experience and all those sorts of things but uh, those are the kind of things that people uh, lionize in their minds but there's a lot of suicides and those people get zero recognition uh, they're just swept under the carpet because nobody wants to talk about how i don't know why i mean you can call in and tell me why it occurs 855-450-3733 well never... i imagine there aren't too many things that are just more traumatic and more likely to make you lose faith in just life as a whole than watching people get blown blown to pieces. That's what I hear from veterans. That's what my conjecture is, is that whatever occurs for these guys is so traumatic that they just can't handle life after that. It's, it's also kind of the case that you're kind of recruiting people for what is, in fact, a sociopathic mission, but you're not selling it that way. You're selling it like, hey, come protect freedom and protect us from terrorists, 
So that's the psychology <laughs> profile that you get, but then you send them to do sociopathic things, and then halfway through they kind of figure out what's going on, which is why I think you have things like differences between troops and, you know, things like cops. If you advertise for psychopaths and you have them go do psychopathic things, I think you'll be... Well, you won't be fine, but you won't have that particular problem. <laughs> well, I think that, uh, you know, I wouldn't use the terminology you're using. I think that there's a, you know, a, a personality type of a warrior, right? And they can handle what they see out there um, in a way that other people can't. I think what... Well, I'm our- not talking... Well, that's that's not my concern here. So I think that they know when they sign up that they're going to be killing people. I think that they are very lied to about the people that they're going to be killing, I think that they're told that they're going to be ki- be killing terrorists and actual threats, and that's just not the case. And sometimes the terrorist is six, you know? I mean, yeah. like it's a six-year-old kid. So you could have somebody who's completely prepared mentally and emotionally to go in and kill people who are actual terroristic threats, yeah. but not prepared to bomb the hospitals and orphanages. Well, I imagine that a lot of these people simply think that they can handle the trauma. That they can think that they can shoot somebody and they'll be fine because I'm, most people do say something like, oh, I would just shoot somebody if they broke into my home or whatever, but they're not actually prepared to. I'm sure that well, that's some of it, too, but I think that you make it worse by lying about who your targets are. Right. And well, also they, um, they they lay out these incentives for people to go to college and um, a variety of other incentives to be in, in the military. And I'm not saying that those incentives are terrible. It's just that, you know, in many cases, the idea is, is don't have any direction after school and who has direction after high school Uh, very few people are like oh yeah i need to do this thing or that thing and if they do have direction it's very unlikely to be the direction they're actually going to go so you take this group of largely directionless people you offer them discipline a reasonably good paycheck uh, a fancy uniform that they can uh, you know pull down attention from the opposite sex with or whatever it is that's important to them and you dangle all that stuff in front of them and uh, and plus the, the, the GI Bill and, and all that stuff. And then you're liable to get people who want those things as opposed to people yeah. who, um, you know, the, these warriors. And now I'm not saying the warriors don't already get the military. I think they're just a very small popula- pop percentage of the population. And we'd be fine with them if the United States military stayed within its borders and did what basically every European military does. You know, just take the warriors Give them the warrior job, and then those few times that you need them, send them out there. You know, send out these meat-eating killers because that's what we got. That's what you want in that right. circumstance. Right? I mean, that's what they're trained to be, right? Well, right. And the you know, when when the rubber hits the road, that's who you want with the gun in their hand out there in front. And I don't like. I'm not. You know, I'm not trying to make a value judgment on that in particular, but when you take the rest of the population and dangle all these wonderful things in front of them and tell them what a great life it's going to be, and ta-da, and then they go out there and their buddy next to him gets blown into little gobby bits, and he's like, and you were told them the whole time, it's your job to cover your buddy, and then your buddies go, bloom, into yucky little bits, Made up by some fertilizer bomb that's sitting on the side of the road um, for somebody who lives in a tent, right? Like, oh, well, we've got to go, you know, know, the the whole world begins to twist. Why did we do this? Why are we here? What's happening? And then their family uh, is then, you know, the, the family of the buddy. Well, they're trying to figure out exactly why this. Yeah. 
this is a highly traumatic experience and people need to be prepared for it. I just don't think they are. No, I would imagine they're not. I mean, train conductors are also relatively prone to PTSD, and it's because, you know, people commit suicide by diving in front of trains and it's things like that. It's probably pretty effective. Yeah, I imagine it would be. But, I um, mean, we see this quite a lot, where people who regularly experience human death in, in gory and tragic ways become traumatized to the point of being numb or killing themselves. So, soldiers, absolutely, especially when we're sending them out into countries under false pretenses realistically telling them that oh you're going to go fight for freedom well these people aren't stupid you may convince them for a time but eventually they figure it out and then it's one of the only jobs that you're not legally allowed to quit so you're stuck in there for i think the standard contract is five years but whatever it is five years really and it's not just that you can it might have changed since last i looked i think it's eight years but you can do a certain amount on and a certain amount and something like that like it's a long time it's not like they say oh well you can't quit in the middle of combat well okay that would make sense yeah it's like no you're stuck there for i would disagree if you have somebody fighting alongside you who wants to quit in the middle of the fight it's probably in your best interest to let them walk away I, i don't disagree with that but it's it's not and it's that would not be an insane rule, right? Like, <laughs> okay. if I'm like, okay, we're going to war. You can't quit during the middle of a battle. It's like, okay, that's non-insane. Right. Maybe a 30-day process to quit or something like that make, make make a bit more sense. But if you're just chilling at a base and you're like, I think my job is evil now because I figured X out XYZ, regardless of that, I agree with your assessment or not, the best thing for everybody is for you to leave. <laughs> Let us know your opinion. 855-450-FREE as in freedom. This is Free Talk Live. Give us a call. Take control of the airways. Tell us what's on your mind. 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And it's a special Memorial Day, evidently. (laughs) But but before we get into the story about, uh, before we get further into the story about the tragic 6,000 deaths per year, suicides per year by veterans of various wars let's go to the phones we've got carl calling from new york carl you are on free talk live hi Hi, how are you doing good what's on your mind so i was wondering if you guys were familiar with cultural marxism i've heard the term used it's uh seems pretty loaded i don't know that carl marx spoke much about uh culture in the same way but go ahead well he did at least in the communist manifesto okay I know I read it, but it's been, you know, 30 years. It's on my agenda to reread it because I've heard that, you know, he talks quite a lot about progressing from capitalism to state-run socialism, but has absolutely nothing to say about how they might then progress from socialism to anarchist communism. That is accurate. Right. Yeah, that the, is accurate. It's supposed to just work. Or at least it's die. accurate as of the Communist Manifesto. I haven't read, right. read everything he's written. But, I mean, like, that, that most critical feature... Of passing from yeah, like the your actual society. goal. Yeah, yeah. He's completely silent on that subject. In the Communist Manifesto, he is silent on that. Maybe wow. it wasn't his goal. So why do you ask, Carl? So uh, part of what uh, it is that a lot of people are talking about is how a lot of people have talked about uh, it. Uh, essentially, a, what's happened is a lot of people that are against Western civilization that think like, oh, the ideas of traditionalism are oppressive 
or whatnot, they believe in, or they've been accused at least of believing in cultural Marxism. So I was wondering if you guys agreed with that. I think you might have that backwards. In what way? That the people who are opposed to traditional values would be the people who would be for generally cultural Marxism. That's what I'm saying. That's what okay, I meant yeah, to say. Yes. Sorry. I, I misspoke. Sorry. Now clarify for me what, what even is meant by cultural Marxism. Is it just so, a, a hatred of quote-unquote traditional values? Well, it's this idea that essentially Western civilization, traditional values are considered bad or oppressive, and as a result they need to be replaced with more progressive or socially progressive values. Well, progressive, um, at least in that sense, is a point of view and not anything that actually indicates progress. Right. I mean, that's, uh, you know, the, the, the mislabeling of terms. The way I feel is, is that people should be able to live their lives how they wish and they should reap all the consequences of that life. And if they want to try out new and different lifestyles, who am I to say otherwise? If they expect somehow that I'm going to bear the responsibility for their decisions, on the other hand, um, only in so much as I can uh, not avoid bearing that responsibility. So, if the government is going to say that, uh, for instance, you know you're going to you're going to eat really unhealthy uh, throughout your life, and the government says that I have to take care of your uh, heart disease, well, I guess if I've got to pay those uh, taxes, I'm going to pay those taxes that I can't avoid, but I'm going to try my very best to not pay any additional money into a governmental system. I consider the government to be highly inefficient. But as far as cultural Marxism goes, I mean, I often find this as a loaded term for people who want other people to live the way they want them to live. Right. I think the traditional... I mean, it's cultural protectionism at the end of the day that the right or the traditional value people want to engage in. It's just protectionism. I live a very traditional lifestyle, right? Like my wife doesn't uh, have a job outside of the house. I have a job outside of the house. We have a kid. Um, You know, like we have very traditional gender roles and all that stuff. And I think it works very well. I'd go so far as to say if you look at traditional religions around the world, the, the, the sort of very conservative uh, religions. Check out the Amish, the Hasidic Jews, um, you know, and I'm sure that there's a, a more in this list. These uh, Quakers are another good one. These people tend to be financially prosperous. And I'm not saying financially prosperous is the greatest indicator of living a good life. It's an indicator. But it is an, an indicator. And so to me, if you're going to call something cultural Marxist, you would have to be a little bit more specific than just it goes against traditional Western values because there was a culture that Marx was going for. And so if you're talking about that, then yes, that's cultural Marxism. Just anything that's not traditional Western values, I wouldn't say is. So, yeah, if it's something. What is your take on traditional values versus social progressivism? Well, well, going back to his point, I mean, I agree that nobody should be forced to live, you know, a certain way. And I don't think anybody's advocating for the law to force anybody to. But I do think there is a movement, uh, specifically on the left, to try and uh, destroy or to essentially try and say, oh, traditional values are bad or family values are bad or the West is bad. 
And I think that's outrageous because I think that the West, I mean, the West is incredible. I mean, you can, anything you want that you can afford, you can get with the touch of your finger now. And people are saying, oh, well, the West is bad. Well, the West has given us so many things. So, uh, but I, I mean, I agree, nobody should be forced to live a certain way. But I think the question is, should it be, should cultural, or should uh, a, a an ideology that uh, is against so let me ask you this. Sorry to interrupt, but let me ask you this. Uh, if you believe that nobody should be forced to live a specific way, what if the people who advocate for social progress, and I use that term loosely, would agree that you shouldn't be forced to adopt, quote, progressive values, but we don't like the values that you choose to live under? Oh, that's fine, but I'm just saying, should it be encouraged? What's wrong I'm with encouraging it? Well, no. I mean, in the marketplace of ideas, the one that is most enticing, the one that is most attractive is going to get the results. I'm not saying you shouldn't be allowed to express that idea. You should, I mean, if you want to discuss it, but is it an idea that we should live by? My, I mean, if you want to, sure, but. In terms of whether it's moral to, I would say no. Well, see, there's two problems that I see with the encouraging it part. One is that in a lot of cases, we're being dishonest about the results of particular behaviors. That's, you know, fraud and advertising. And then the other thing is we're so as far as a lot of harm, not all, but a lot of harmful behaviors go. The benefits are privatized and the costs are socialized. There are benefits to harmful behaviors. You have a lot of, uh, they're usually short-term benefits, yeah. but they do exist. So you get the benefit of, you know, you have a great night getting high, you have all this fun doing whatever, you have all these short-term, you know, benefits, because that's why you're doing it in the first place. If there was no benefits whatsoever, no one would do it. But then the costs are socialized, so you don't really see what this is actually costing Carl, you. thank you for the call. Uh, certainly, uh that sort of valuing short-term gains over long-term gains is the problem that leads to much of this. This is Free Talk Live. Tell us what's on your mind. 855-450-FREE as in freedom. That's 855-450-3733. Or use the Discord server at discord.freetalklive.com. Are you concerned that liberty, free market economics, and the values that made America great are no longer taught in schools? Well, so am I. So I got my son the Tuttle Twins children's book series. My name is Jack, and I'm 11 years old, and I just started the Tuttle Twins. So far, I have learned that some people can use the government to ruin the economy and destroy people's businesses. Give all the young people in your life a chance at reason and clear thought, because they're not going to get it at school. There are nine books in the series, and each one teaches a set of ideas that children aren't getting elsewhere. Go to TuttleTwins.com and use coupon code FTL to get 40% off. Again, that's TuttleTwins.com. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airways and tell us what's on your mind with 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria, Melanie, and Mark. And we ended up with a little bit of a discussion about cultural Marxism, which is something that I hear used a lot by people who are somewhat hesitant to define it, in, except in regard to its contrast, which would be apparently traditional values. 
Yeah. Um, so when I hear the term cultural Marxism, it immediately raises my hackles um, as a very traditional guy who has a very traditional family to uh, that. I'm expecting to hear people say things like afterwards that once we get our plan enacted where we have uh, vilified those on the left who disagree with us, then everybody will have to do as I say. <laughs> well, right? And that's true of every ideology yes, other than anarchy though. Yes, like that's <laughs> Right. That's exactly what I mean. Is is that the the there's there's two equally bad ideas out there. Those that want to kill traditional values and never let anybody have them, and those that want to kill this cultural Marxism or whatever it is they're co- talking about and never let anybody do it. And then there's the rest of us in the middle who are like, well, do what you want so long as it doesn't bother me. And I think that's the vast majority of people. Some people won't I hang out with um, you know, certain folks because of the way they look or the, what they choose to do or what, what, whatever, and that's their business if they want. For me... I don't personally care, and I will say that if you take the conservative approach, or at least take a look at the conservative approach, in all likelihood, the vast majority of the times, it's going to have the best long-term result for you. And long-term results, I think, are the thing we should go for. Well, and, and by conservative approach, you mean in your personal life, not necessarily like foreign policy. Right. I don't know. Uh, you know, foreign policy, my approach would be ne- uh, usually not blowing things up. Right. Well, right. But I, ju- I just thought that might be unclear to some yeah. people. So I thank See, you. I don't know if I fully agree that uh, conservative values or traditional values are more likely to lead to long term productivity or welfare really? success. Um, yeah, because we haven't actually had the chance yet to try um what I would characterize as social tolerance, not socialism or any of that nonsense. I'm a capitalist. I'm a diehard capitalist. I think that competition works. And I think that what we're seeing today is competition where traditional values are having to compete for their first time. Well, I'd say tolerance is uh, something that you know I would accept, would preach. Um, but I would also say that you that you have no obligation to be tolerant. Right. Like if I determine that I don't want to hang out with people. Well, it depends on how you define tolerance, I suppose. To me, uh, to me, I would use the stricter definition that tolerance is simply allowing something. I mean, in most connotations, tolerance, it it implies a certain level of dislike or or unhappiness. Like I tolerate this thing happening to me. I, I tolerate these headaches. It implies that you're not overly fond of it. Well, um, so I think that there's two things, right? Like I can tolerate it in the world. So you can Which have, simply means not using force, violence, or coercion to attempt to stop it in my right. definition. Or I can tolerate it in my life. So I may exclude people who exhibit I, – I do actively exclude people who exhibit certain behaviors um, from my life. Like there's there's not allowed to be in my life. I'm just not going to spend any time. Or if I'm forced into a situation with those people, my uh, conversation is going to be courteous but abrupt. See, to me, that's the difference between tolerance and acceptance. Um, having somebody part of your life would qualify as acceptance, to whatever degree, it may be loose acceptance where you are closer to not being overly excited about it, but you're not willing to push them out at this point versus tolerance, which is not willing to tolerate them in your life or not willing to have them in your life, but also not willing to use force, violence and coercion 
to stop them. That's how I characterize all of all this. All right. I mean, I think that's all fine and dandy. It's just, uh, you know, one thing I would like to, you know, I'd like to say, yes, there are people on the left that uh, especially they appear to populate places like Twitter. Uh, <laughs> yes. I see their tweets um, and, you know, they're lunatics and they manage to get the attention that they get by being lunatics. Certainly. Then the people on the there's people on the right um, that basically are their polar opposites. But the uh, you know an opposite side of the same coin in in so much as they wish to force people to behave in the fashion that they wish them to behave, and I don't want those people defining the right or what my what I believe. So I'm willing to say I live a conservative lifestyle because that's just the truth. But um, you know I don't want it you know intolerance to necessarily be part of that. By the way. If you're sitting there as a lefty thinking, oh, I'm very tolerant, you don't tolerate my way of thinking. <laughs> Once I want to live my life the way I want to live my life and like not have you steal money from me to populate your little programs or in the government or whatever, suddenly your tolerance goes out the window. Right? Like my tolerance oh, yeah. is fine that I don't want to tell people how to live, but my intolerance of inefficient government programs, whoa, whoa, that's just crazy talk. Western civilization is going to crumble and stuff, you know. But I mean, even if that was the case, I would still ask, you know, the question of, well, it's a pretty conservative traditionalist mindset to be concerned that Western society is going to crumble in the first place. Perhaps. I mean, it seems uh, to me like the progressive one would be, OK, well, then something will rise from the ashes. Something, uh, you know, these these <laughs> these uh, centrist leftists here in Keene are constantly seem to be worrying about Western civilization falling apart when I talk about not funding whatever government program it is that they're concerned about. Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, people like using the state to if support their if a, views. If a, if a particular idea is bad, it will have bad results. It will have right? bad results. And if, on a personal level, if everybody's paying for their own stuff. Right. It will have bad results on a personal level if everybody's paying for their own own stuff. If they're not, then we'll never know what bad choices are because people will never have to deal with the consequences. The consequences of bad action are bad, and they're bad for the person with the bad action and the people who are in their immediate vicinity and people they come in contact with. And this isn't even necessarily malicious, so you don't no, necessarily facts. know... What you're doing that's a bad action if you're not getting all of the... It's not like you get a letter from the feds every month. Okay, this month we have subsidized the following behaviors that you engaged in. Like, you don't necessarily know what you should even move around to be getting better results. You just know that you're not bankrupt and you still have a place to live. Right. So... Well, isn't that sort of intentional to just sort of obfuscate the entire thing? On the, the, on the part of, of the government or the part of the state, yes. On the part of an individual who's not part of the state and just is living their life, absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. If we don't force people, if, if people do, if we don't leave people to the results of their actions, at least at some point, I get it. Sometimes people need a bailout and I'm ready to help with those sorts of things. Hopefully that's your family. That's doing the bailing out. But if you've got a family full of people that make bad choices, like they just need to deal with the consequences of those bad choices. Stop having me agree. subsidize it because you're just going to get more families that make bad choices. We humans like good things in the short term. And as Melanie was saying previously, some bad action will get you good things in the short term. If we subsidize bad action, 
and people have good results, what they consider to be good results because of that bad action, you're going to get more of it. So I don't know what the bad action is, but I know that forcing me to support whatever it is, we're going to get more of it. Absolutely. I mean, that's it's incentivizing it for yeah. all intents and purposes. Uh, it's, it's allowing people to get drunk every single day without the hangover and without the risk of alcoholism or at least the risk of the consequences of alcoholism. To just use an obvious example of something that in the short term may be good. But see, that's capitalism as a whole. And that's why these leftists don't like capitalism, because it's all about savings and long term advantages versus short term gains. Right. For the capitalist society, it's all about taking these resources and holding them until we can turn them into something better or turning them into something better. Where for the socialists, it's more instant gratification. Now, 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 I don't want to face the consequences. This is Free Talk Live. If you disagree, be sure to give us a call and let us know. That's 855 450 3733. 855-450-FREE, as in Free Talk Live, or use the Discord server at discord.lrn.fm. It's Free Talk Live. Take control of the airways. Let us know what's on your mind. 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And it's Memorial Day. And we barely got into it. But Mark, you have a story regarding veteran suicides and how they are generally ignored in wider American society and somebody attempting to rectify that. The Buffalo News, Sean Kirst reports, half a century is enough to extinguish many memories, images blurring into colors and echoes, but Casimiro Rodriguez can still reach into childhood and find his big brother. In a family of 13 children, Gabriel was older by seven years, one of a group of Rodriguez boys who slept in one big room. Within the... That's probably child abuse now. Uh, within <laughs> that close bond... I hope not. Well... pretty close within that close bond there's something special about gabe i looked up to him said rodriguez 64 president of the hispanic heritage council of western new york gabe helped teach him how to make a few dollars for the family by shining shoes or shoveling snow rodriguez recalls his teenage brother walking downtown uh, night after night to wash dishes at the old statler when uh, they lived on the west side In 1968, Gabe, a joyous guy with a passion for cars, left for the Army in Vietnam. The young man who returned was deeply changed. In retrospect, Rodriguez knows his brother was showing signs of mental illness and post-traumatic stress disorder. Did he leave of his own accord, or was he drafted? That's a critical piece of that, because the draft makes it even worse. Okay, so it's hard to say because you were probably going to go so some people signed up before they got drafted too mm, yeah good so point it's difficult to know basically i consider everybody who signs up before uh the draft was eliminated to be a draftee and fair point they, they, i mean it's at that point it's not a volunteer army it's a um you know it's a it's a conscripted army because even if only half of the people are conscripted that are in the army you can't say the other aren't others aren't in a conscripted army because that army 
functions the way a very you know some the population uh, within it sort of feels and functions. So if there's somebody in there who's not giving their all because they don't want to be there, then why do you want to be in that army in the first place? Well, I certainly wouldn't want to be, but that's the problem with the draft is that it removes one's wants from the question entirely. Twelve you know, years. It's, here's a gun. Now go, or we throw you in prison for the rest of your life. Hope you make it back in one piece, in sound mind and body. You won't, but hope for it. Twelve years later, Gabe locked himself in a car and took his own life through carbon monoxide poisoning. The loss remains so fresh that Rodriguez weeps to speak of it. But he will tell the tale again Monday during a 9.30 a.m. Memorial Day ceremony, so that's today, and the USS Little Rock, um, on the USS Little Rock at the Buffalo and Erie County Naval and Military Park just before he helps unveil an extraordinary memorial. Called the Battle Within, the riverfront sculpture is intended to serve as a remembrance of veterans who died by suicide and a means of hope for men and women facing similar despair. Gabe's widow and grandchildren are expected to attend, bring fresh um, the flesh and blood of uh, one of the deepest meetings. Uh, families whose losses for too long were confined to the shadows finally have a place to grieve for veterans who took their own lives. And I think that so many times when people are here on Memorial Day, Memorial Day is not for veterans, and veterans know it. It's you know these lamos that uh, that think that every every holiday is uh, you know Flag Day. That's not what right. it is. Well, um, what is it then? Well, Memorial Day is specifically for uh, the fallen um, who you know died in military service, and uh, you know I think that these people who take you know end up taking their own lives because of whatever the demons are that they manage to find out there. Well, I think they deserve whatever credit uh, these these other folks that managed to get themselves blown up in silly situations too, unfortunate situations. Um, and I really think the best way to serve the fallen is to make fewer and fewer of them over time. I would absolutely agree. Right. And I mean, the best thing we can do to support the troops is to stop sending them to foreign countries to be traumatized, maimed, and killed. And I think that the troops agree. Ron Paul ran on a platform of, you know, let's get the let's get these let's get us out of these military uh, situations. And he was the most supported presidential candidate by enlisted people across the board. Yeah, it was like five times higher than yeah, anyone was, else, right? It, it was. You know, there's not even close. And it, you don't have to say enlisted people either as officers. Uh, you know, you include officers in that number because they're probably not that many of them compared to the enlisted men anyway. But people in the military wanted Ron Paul. And none of the Republican talking heads ever wanted to talk about that. They're all about support the troops. But when those troops have an opinion, well, let's forget about that. This guy's quixotic. He's uh, nuts or whatever. And I'm sure the troops will probably come out to support the, um, you know, the more anti-war Democrat that happens to, to emerge, whomever that is. Yeah. Maybe it'll be Tulsi Gabbard. I don't know. She doesn't seem to be. She's not as anti-war as I'd like her to be. But uh, I mean, anti-war at all, though, would be a vast improvement over the last forever. Right. Really. If, if you find <laughs> whomever the Republicans are, uh, you know, whatever field it is, and you ask them, do you support the wars of the last 20 or 30 years? 
And the, their answer is going to be 100% yes. Yes, 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 yes. Because they, uh, they get that the voting population doesn't really understand what the people in the military actually want. If the voting population understood what people in the military wanted, I don't think that they would uh, be as pro-war as they are. But somehow, in modern society, support the troops and support the war has become collapsed. Well, wouldn't it be the case that in the current environment where there isn't a draft actually being utilized, wouldn't it be the case that, I mean, obviously a lot of them probably have buyer's remorse and things like that, but... These people can choose to simply not enlist if they don't approve of the way that they're being used in their military service. Of course, if the contract is actually eight years, I, well, I assumed it was something closer to two years. Finding a, out, right? There's there's several different options. So eight years, but it's usually four years in, and then four years in active ready reserve. Okay, um, there's a few little tricks that go on in the business. First off, you go in the military, you know, here I am. I'm going to sign up for the military today. And they're, you know, they'll tell you, well, oh, you, son, you go ahead and tell us the three things you'd really like to do in the military. Oh, and, yeah, they're salesmen and right. they're liars. Well, you know, <laughs> that's what they're told to do. You can sign up and say, I'm only doing this particular task. And if you don't have that task, don't don't put me in. And they'll they'll just kind of wait and put you in when the time comes. They do have that option if they wish to do it. They don't wish to do it because they need because very few people say, I'd like to go in the military, carry a empty gun around and sleep in the mud. Nobody says that. No, I, I can't imagine anyone ever saying that. Right. So, but that is, that's the job opening. The job opening is carrying around empty guns. Are they empty? In many cases, they are, sure. Really? I mean, they don't give you weapons and they don't give, they don't give teenagers weapons until they absolutely have to. They don't actually, they're just an empty gun. So they get, so they get to wander around with a fancy looking paperweight. Yes. A scary looking paperweight. And keep it very clean, as clean as they possibly can. And so they. So it's all pomp and circumstance. Well, it's a lot of that, yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that either. Yeah, well, there's a lot to learn about the old military, and, and, you know, I've learned it by talking to people. Right. Um, over time. And I don't want to disparage the folks that go into the military, but I think a lot of them have been tricked. I think that they expected one thing and got something entirely different. And I think the vast majority of them do leave after their first bit. And if they had the option to quit, at least some option to quit. I'm not saying that, you you know, there's a firefight going on with the Taliban and you, you just, uh, oh, I'm throwing up my little white flag here. Time for me to go home. I'm, I'm sick of this. But if there was some way to go to the commanding officer... There is, by the way, but you just have to be very, 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 very adamant about it. But Or trans. Yeah, you could start. Well, it, did, it didn't work for Klinger. It'll work now. Okay. Did they pass that? I know he said he was going to do it, but I, I thought he never actually The last I heard, uh, you were not allowed in the military if you're trans. Which is great to me. I, mean, I don't think we should allow anyone in the military. Don't get me wrong. I, I applaud it. Let's not let white people in or black people in or brunettes or redheads I, or I anyone else. I, I don't want to see a system where we uh, have to tell fibs about why you want to get out of the military. I just want to get out of the military. Um, and that's what I want to do today. And maybe a path that takes two weeks or a month or something to, to get finally get out. But a path. And I think that would solve a lot of problems. 855-450-37. This is a special alert. For business owners, consultants, coaches, folks planning retirement, 
entrepreneurs, and anyone who is saving and investing to build a financial future. You are likely aware that financial privacy for most people has recently died a miserable death. And let's face it, without privacy, there really is no security, is there? Bankrupt governments and banks on the verge of collapse are perhaps the biggest threat to your financial future today. The Lighthouse Law Club recognizes this and has been working diligently to provide safe, secure, and productive tools to ensure your privacy, your financial security, and your future financial well-being, despite the catastrophes which many people fear are looming ahead of us. Find out more with a variety of free videos on the YouTube channel for Lighthouse Law Club. Just search YouTube for Lighthouse Law Club and secure your future today. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airways. It's 855-450-3733, 855-450-FREE as in freedom. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And let's put the discussion of Memorial Day and the tragedy that is vet suicide on hold and go to the phone. We've got Sarah calling from New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, yeah. I just want to say that... Um there's another neighborhood along uh, Central Boulevard here. Where's here? Who wants to get that? Who wants to widen the sidewalk? And, this is uh, Albuquerque. Just so, so everybody knows, this is Albuquerque. Sarah, Sarah calls in about Albuquerque almost every day. It's very likely that she's going to talk about pedestrian fatalities <laughs> in, in Albuquerque. Um, maybe, you know, like cars coming up on sidewalks or something like that. Go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, so it's the historic Route 66, but I love what that. it is is that, well, it's the, you know, it's two cars going one way and two cars going the other way. and then So it's a four-line highway. So, and then the the sidewalks here are four feet, I'm telling you, and it's, and it's no bicycle lane. Are there shops? Right the are there shops that are what? like right next to those four feet? So it's like shop wall. Four feet of sidewalk, then two lane. And, and, then the, and it's, it's, it's cars right next to the pedestrian. That's what I was talking about wait, 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 the other wait, wait, day. Wait. Hold on, hold on. Sarah, answer my question. I'm trying to determine whether there's anything on the other side of the sidewalk. So is it like a shop wall, then four feet of sidewalk, and then the road, these two lanes, and then the other two lanes, and then four feet of sidewalk, and then another shop wall? Is Or is there any room for expansion? Oh, the walls, um, you know, it all depends. If there's a business, sometimes it's okay. like the walls are right up against the, uh, it depends if they have an apartment or a business, and and the, the walls are right there. Okay. But most of the time, the, it's, it's like sometimes it'll be gravel, there's space on the inside of the sidewalk. But on the outside, it's just cars. You might have like two or three, no, two or three feet. So um, is your contention that the um, sidewalks are too close to the road? Are you okay with them being expanded? What is your well, position on this? That, the whole point is that they're going to narrow, they're going to widen the sidewalk and put in a bicycle lane, and therefore they're going to lose, it's going to go from four car lanes to two car lanes. 
Okay. And so they have to go slower. This is this is what the neighborhood is pushing. All right. But well, it sounds so, like it would cause you know fewer pedestrian fatalities. Yeah, it seems like uh, it's it like a fine idea better, to me, whatever. It's better for pedestrians. I don't know. I've never seen and the then, place. What and do then I know? we're going to have the, the scooter, the Zaxxer scooters. They, uh-huh. would have, they could ride on the bicycle lane. Okay. Instead of all of us, that, well, that's what I was saying that pedestrian, bicycle, and uh, uh, um, the Zaxxers will be all riding on that four feet sidewalk. You that's really missed your that's calling, how... Sarah. You should have been a civil engineer and uh, planned all this stuff from the beginning. And, uh, you know, here you are. I mean, the, the talents were wasted. What, 110 years ago? I, I should have been born, like, 1900s when they designed the road. I have no idea who designed the road like this. Well, and roads are always animals. being designed and redesigned. It's not terribly uncommon for a city or local government to decide that they want to redo a road, so they pull up the four-lane highway and put a two down in its place. But you're saying they're widening the sidewalk, which is currently four feet to accommodate more pedestrian traffic, more scooter traffic, and more bicycle traffic, right? So what is the end result of this going to be, an eight-foot-wide sidewalk or larger? Well, I, I have a, something between six to seven feet so that if the, the – and then it's going to have a bicycle lane, maybe three feet, so the, the scooters can ride on the bicycle lane. Maybe if they could, uh, they could fit. And I, also I thought you said the they were sidewalk. getting rid of these. Okay. So they're just opening up the sidewalk as well to bicycles and scooters. Right. Well, well I mean, um, the bicycles, they have to ride. The scooters and the bicycle have to ride on the sidewalk. There is nothing, nowhere else to go. Well, the until sidewalk and a car right next to it. Unless so what, this guy on a scooter that, careens into a few pedestrians, and the pedestrians will never learn. So, I mean, that's what we just got to do, Sarah. I mean, Payne is a pretty good uh, teacher. Sarah, yeah. thank you so much for the call. Uh, you want to be progressive? Scooters, progress. I, I'm I'm a bit confused by what's happening here. Uh, we, we have people skateboarding and riding bikes along sidewalks here in Keene, and I'm not aware of too many people being run over by other people on bicycles or scooters. Actually, I don't think I've ever seen anyone riding a scooter I mean, that's going to be totally dependent on... I can't really have an opinion on a sidewalk and a road that I've never seen, don't know where it is, don't know what the population's like, don't know what the density's like. How could I possibly just, like, design the optimal setup in my head, like, without even... Sarah doesn't care what you design in your head. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I don't know how anybody listening can have an opinion on it either. The only thing that matters is, does it lower pedestrian fatalities? Well, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter either. Unless the cars are driving up onto the sidewalk... You know that's only it's a $50 fine here? Fault. What's that, hitting a pedestrian and a scooter? No, driving on the sidewalk. It's only a $50 yeah, fine Yeah, I looked it up King. when I was looking up something else. Like, <laughs> tinted free. windows is a higher fine than, like, driving on the sidewalk. Straight <laughs> up driving on a sidewalk is 50 bucks. I, I tend to think you're more likely to get arrested, though, <laughs> if driving on the sidewalk. Because it's going to be really hard to justify. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, hey, I mean. There's, there's always a careless or reckless driving ticket, too. Yeah, that's true, and that so was they certainly just tack that on for kicks. Yeah, look, we have t- told Sarah over and over again, read the uh, studies to her about red light cameras and how red light cameras actually increase accidents at intersections, and she doesn't care. What ca- Sarah cares about is whatever she imagines is dangerous 
on the road. Everything outside of the house is dangerous. And, uh, you know, she's very concerned now with the idea that people are going to be riding scooters around Albuquerque. So she doesn't drive, correct? No. She doesn't travel. Well, she doesn't have to. She doesn't have a job. So she just sits around calling talk radio shows all day? She's uh, never she, had a job. She listens I understand to, it. She's, she's basically banned from the vast majority of talk shows in her town because she calls every day. Then she finds out that she can call into free talk live. And she's... You know, she's not our worst caller. Oh, no, certainly not. Well, okay, yeah, but that's compared to people who, like, make death threats against children and call in stoned. So, like... (laughs) I mean, that can be entertaining, though. Yeah. But, I mean, it is weird. Uh, I knew her initially as Galactose Sarah because she was always trying to market whatever it was, some sugar or something, I don't know. And then, then it just became Pedestrian Sarah. Which is applicable in more way than one. Yeah, pedestrian. Yeah. It's pedestrian. <laughs> so anyway, it is Memorial Day, and we've been talking about veteran suicides. And the number I saw earlier today was 6,000 vet suicides every year since 2008, which is about the time they started returning home from Operation Iraqi Freedom. I don't know what the numbers were before that either. I, I, you know, I haven't done exhaustive research into veteran suicide, but... I do know that, uh, you know, PTSD cases go up when there are wars. You don't have too much PTSD, don't have nearly as much PTSD when people aren't out there seeing their friends or, you know, innocent, what what are clearly innocent people being blown into little globby bits, um, which is what the military does. I mean, it's like the definition of what they do. Yeah, that's its sole purpose is to kill people. And blow things up, um, you know, cost a lot of money. There's all those things. And in, I feel like there's a group of people on Memorial Day that get uh, forgotten about, swept under the rug. Everybody in the U.S. wants to be, you know, ah, thank you for your service. Well, you can't thank the ones who've committed suicide for their service. Those are the ones that we should be thinking, among others, that we should be thinking about on Memorial Day, it seems to me. Uh, Memorial Day is a day when we, you're there to remember not that most people do this. Most people are out there cooking hot dogs, right? We had right. hot dogs today at my house. I mean, and in this in this case, we're remembering people who were so broken by what the military did to them and exposed them to that they saw no escape except death. That's what the, right. I mean, imagine being in whatever the position is, and the only way you feel like you can get out of it is uh, by killing yourself. So, I, I Lord knows what's happening inside the military that makes these people do it at a higher rate than everybody else, but they do. Let us know if you disagree. 855-450-FREE as in Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Tell us what's on your mind. Give us a call at 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE as in Free Talk Live. Or use the Discord service, which you can find at discord.freetalklive.com. With you tonight, it's Aria, Melanie, and Mark. Freedom Fest is the largest liberty-oriented gathering in the world. And it's coming right up, July the 17th through the 20th at the Paris Hotel in Las Vegas. It's a great venue for a great festival. This year's event is the Wild West Time of liberty and opportunity or lawlessness and violence. 
Penn Gillette's going to be there. Lenoris Canese. I saw that uh, Glenn Beck is going to be there. Candace Owen, John Mackey, Kevin O'Leary, Kevin Harrington of uh, Kevin O'Leary and, and Kevin Harrington of Shark Tank. Stephen Moore, Grover Norquist, liberals, conservatives, libertarians, all mingling together to hear real debates and to converse freely. Go to freedomfest.com slash FTL. Get your tickets now. It's freedomfest.com slash FTL. Use coupon code FTL50 and you get a $50 discount. So, you know, even if you haven't, you aren't even sure that you want to go to Freedom Fest, go to freedomfest.com slash FTL and you can get the five best speeches from last year for free. Judge Napolitano, Alan Dershowitz, Charlie Kirk, Heather McDonald, John Mackey, all free. Go to freedomfest.com slash FTL. And it is a great event. And I may have a big announcement coming up with uh, further involvement. We're going to be there, Free Talk Live. But there may be even more important involvement. Love to see you there at Freedom Fest, freedomfest.com slash FTL. Awesome. Let's go to the phones. we got Matthew calling in from Louisiana who wants to discuss the military. Matthew, you're on Free Talk Live. Mark, you're not going to be uh, giving a talk? Well, I am going to be giving a talk. Uh, at this point, I haven't determined exactly what that is. It, it, there's a couple of things that need to come into play, but I can whip up a speech relatively quickly. I, I kind of do that for a living. Yeah, well, I've noticed this. Um, I have, over the years, gotten increasingly skeptical about the use of our military. I mean, skepticism is good. Huh? I said skepticism is good. Right. I'm not a pacifist by any stretch of the imagination, but we are no longer willing to declare a group of people the enemy, and it's okay to kill their women and children. And I don't know that I feel okay with killing their women and children either, but in World War II, we did not spare the women and children. Well, Uh, in World War I, they did, though. So, like, I, 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 I get where you're coming from, but, you know, the bombing, one of the worst parts about World War II is is the sort of behind-the-lines bombing. And obviously you had to go after factories and things like that, but uh, in World War I, most of the civilian deaths were perpetrated by the Germans and they were vilified for it. The vast majority of the people that were killed um, during World War I were combatants. It was, uh, it's above 90% were people that were in right. the military. And obviously it's a different time and different things going on, but uh, I kind of agree with you. Let me, let, let's see if I can articulate what I would say here. I would say, yes, I am a pacifist because what that means to me is that the military should not be in, uh, engaged in a conflict unless it's absolutely necessary. Well, Unless correct me if I'm wrong, but in, isn't pacifism just an outright refusal to defend oneself? I think that there's different definitions of it in the same way okay. that there's different definitions of democracy. We can discuss that in a second. But I'm going to go ahead and use the okay. term pacifism as sort of a uh, as a stand-in for non-aggression. Okay. Um, well, here, here, here's my contention. Now, I agree with you. The problem is, is that we will receive repeated provocations to draw us in, and then the enemy, and we're pretty sure we know who it is, is going to hide behind women and children. Yep. So the only way to get to them is Is to shoot through the women and children. I would rather just not shoot them. Shooting through 
them usually ends their life. Yes. Most of the time, nine out of ten doctors declare being shot through will kill you. Well, so and I think that there is a difference, not that I, and I'm going to go ahead and not have an opinion on combat strategy, and maybe that's a cop-out and maybe it isn't. I don't know. But I will no, say there's a difference between targeting noncombatants and collateral damage. Well, the problem, what do you do, Melanie, when the enemy knows you don't want to kill their women and children and yep. places them up in front of their warfighters? Right, but I'm saying there's a difference between that, which I would classify as collateral damage, and targeting noncombatants. See, I would categorize I both of them you, as targeting non-combatants. Media, worldwide news media will pillory us, will make those soldiers who had to do that. Well, because they didn't have to. Well, yeah, the media's going to lie regardless of what you do, so I kind of just don't care what they think. I mean, well, it's, it's murder of well, innocent I'm, people. I'm let's stop being euphemistic that. about it. And let's be honest. We're talking about murdering innocent people in order to shoot someone who we have decreed okay, to be bad. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. The vast majority of the Japanese people approved of the war until the sky became filled with B-29 bombs. This meant their women and children approved of the war. Is that the, hold on, is that the, the Doolittle raid, or are we talking about the, the dropping of the bombs? Later and on, no, not the atomic bombs. I'm talking about the firebombing of Japanese cities. Okay. Specifically Tokyo. We firebombed them as fast as they could rebuild. And World War II was a period of total war. That's why we have the It also wasn't a democracy war. in Japan. So, no, it certainly was. So it really didn't matter what the women and children well, thought. Well, but even if you're not a democracy, you still can't have... In name only in Japan. So you still they can't have just... have a vote. Every single they citizen, or whatever you're going to call them, being completely opposed to you to the point that they would rather kill you in your sleep than go along with whatever the law is. Democracy or not, you can't have that as a leader and stay the leader. Right, it's not just democratic yeah. governments that need the mass support of their people. It's all governments yeah. at the end of the day. Well, the okay, so um, we've decided to focus on Japan in World War II, which is a nice place to go if you're looking for to support war because it turned out pretty well. Like there's a there, you know, they kind of turned it around turned at the end, well us, and they like us, and that can turn out well for the Japanese as well. Well, yeah, there's there's good arguments for all that. Uh, there's there's a lot better arguments out there for uh, non-aggression, but let's go ahead and take this one. Uh, the United States could have, had it chosen, um, you know, the, the B-29s you're referring to, dropping stuff on, uh, you know, civilians and that kind of thing. They'd run out of military targets, and they were more or less just targeting civilians. They could have just sat out and waited. Japan couldn't leave. It was all bottled up. They couldn't go anywhere or do anything. And sooner or later, they were they were already looking to Russia for peace. Um, and by, by that, I mean they were trying to get the Russians to come to us for peace, because the Russians were on the United States side at the time. And they had actually... More or less. Yeah, they had asked for um, a... Uh, let's see. They'd asked for surrender, a conditional surrender. But the United States demanded an unconditional surrender. Right. Now, the condition that they'd asked for... Prior was to, to keep their emperor. Was to keep their emperor. The United States said unconditional and then let them keep the emperor. Here's right, my because theory. it was our call in the, that case. The United States chose to bomb Nagasaki and Hiroshima to show the Soviet Union... That they had these weapons. This was, you know, that th those people died as a demonstration to Moscow. 
Stick with us, Matthew. Give us a call if you disagree. That number is 855-450-3733, 855-450-FREE. I want to tell you about my favorite cryptocurrency wallet, Edge Wallet at edge.app. Edge is the wallet I use more than any other, and that was true long before Edge Wallet became a sponsor of Free Talk Live. Edge Wallet allows you to buy, sell, trade, and securely hold your cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, tokens, Monero, Ripple, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, and more. It's available for both Android and iOS, and you can download it via the Play or App Store or via Edge Wallet's website, edge.app. Secure your freedom with Edge Wallet. This is Free Talk Live. With you tonight, it's Aria, Melanie, and Mark. Be sure to give us a call at 855-450-3733 and let us know what's on your mind. Speaking of stuff being on people's mind, Mark, you look like something's on your mind. Yeah, Bitcoin.com is on my mind. Uh, They're a sponsor of Free Talk Live and have been for many years, and I love them. I think they're the great, the best place to go if you want to find out more about cryptocurrencies generally. Bitcoin.com should be your first spot stop. They have uh, beginner videos that explain what cryptocurrency is, how you can uh, get it. They they make it easy for you. They they provide you with the apps to to hold cryptocurrency. They uh, they will sell it to you. They give some away for free at free.bitcoin.com. Uh, whether you're interested in Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin or uh, you know many of the other cryptocurrencies out there, you should be stopping off at Bitcoin.com. You can get the latest news or engage with the community in their forums at Bitcoin.com. And soon they're launching local.bitcoin.com, which is going to allow you to purchase Bitcoin within your community. And just go check them out at uh, Bitcoin.com. That's and by the way, that's Bitcoin Cash in your community uh, because that's the one that you're able to buy, sell, and trade with so much more easily. Bitcoin.com. I'm looking forward to the launch of local.bitcoin.com. is It's going to be awesome. Yeah, we, we've so. needed it for a very long time, so kudos to Roger Ver for putting that into existence. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Bad Slave calling in. Bad Slave, what's on your mind? You're on Free Talk Live. Well, I was going to talk about Sarah, but I'm going to talk about the military, about uh, about politics, and about uh, why uh, we get into war, and the, the fact that we have not actually been legitimately attacked, other than... Um, well, not since like eighteen eleven or something along those lines, right? Right, right. I mean, it, it, you know, they 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 set up the attack with both nine uh, eleven and uh, the uh, Pearl Harbor before that. What I do don't mean, know uh, if I would want to Pearl go that Harbor. far. What do you mean set it up? Well, I, I'm saying that they knew uh, in the Pacific that the Japanese were going to attack Pearl Harbor. Uh, days before it actually occurred. Well, that's very and different that's than a, a setup. Yeah, that's that, allowing that, it well, to happen. Well, no, I mean, you know, they're, they they interfered with information getting to the Pacific Fleet to do anything about it so that there would be a surprise attack. Right, but that's, that that's was, highly negligent. That was, per- that was perpetrated by FDR 
and and his his administration and uh and as you know that there's, kind of right, a but nothing you're describing is set up. right well that's there's evidence that um that the in the McCullough memo that's the way to to look at right. that there's evidence right. that uh you know that that they knew what was going to happen and they let it happen yeah. Um, there was more than that, and that's uh, and, I, and, and, and and you know set up as close to that. It may may not be exactly the same thing. There's also you know it's indisputable that was it the FBI attempted to tell the CIA or vice versa um, that uh, the attacks on 9/11 were going to occur, and well, nobody some somehow somebody didn't do it. He's do something about it. Right, right. Well, and and there's no there's no argument there. So I don't know what we're 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 discussing about the. Well, the, the difference uh, between allowing something and directly causing something. Just want to make sure we're clear, uh, uh, you know. But but a, but a setup is is a setup. A set a setup means you you put things in place. I see so what you're saying. It may happen. have been a setup, indeed, yeah. but it certainly was yeah. not set up by well, FDR I, I, and his know, administration. I, it, it, there was there was actually impetus to anger the uh the japanese uh, uh about oil and about all kinds of stuff in the south china sea and things that were going on that that were uh deliberately aggravating the japanese and 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 because fdr wanted his his power play i mean i i you know the fact is that we suspend our disbelief way too much <laughs> i mean it's okay to go and watch a movie to suspend the disbelief so you can enjoy the movie right but when you suspend your disbelief of of, of politics everybody seems to have no problem with understanding that the fact of 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 lying politicians lying uh people who i think it's expected I think that people decide this stuff yeah. are are going to just keep doing that as long as we uh, consent to it. Right. And, I mean, and I, well, I mean, whether or a, not we consent to it, it's a lack of responsibility. I mean, on every at every point, voters, every voters aren't responsible because we don't have to pay for it. We're going to have our great grandchildren pay for it. We're, yeah. we're paying the debt on the Civil War currently. So what's the big deal? Um, That's why we invented cryptocurrency. Well, I, you know, yes. the fact is, is that 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 the that the wars that are fought are fought for completely different reasons. Well, they're fought this, for military this, expansion this, and imperialism. You know, it, it, there, there is imperialism. There is the uh, the the global global bank system. That that that's been the more recent. But see, stuff that's just with, part of the imperialism. The what world war, what the first world war with, and the second world war was actually about was imperialism. It was the Western world deciding right. who was going to divide up and control the rest of the world, and it was a war that ultimately, for better or worse, the United States won. So we put all of the banks into place. We put the military into into place. That's why we hated the Soviet Union so much was because they were a threat to our own imperialism. What we're seeing today is just a continuation of that. Well, you know, there was the 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 effect of the effectiveness of the threat of the Soviet Union, you know, came to true fruition, uh, you know, as 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 time went on, and uh, and you know, the, the, that was a uh, 
that was a collapse that didn't even require a war. I mean, other than well, I mean, know, there were multiple wars. War of, of words, I, there were yeah, leading up to that point. But well, uh, I mean, there was the Korean I mean, War. The, there the was the war in Vietnam. Is that the Soviet Union just came into being just at at, at the First World War? So I mean, it hasn't been that long, and and there were you know. Well, a lot of people died. A lot of people but died the with, is, under the notion. That, go ahead. That, well, we're 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 dealing with you know this false premise of 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 what actually causes this stuff, and 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 as long as we're accepting these false premises, I mean, the the data is out there. What are the false premises? that you're asserting people accept? Well, that, that, that we needed to go into Libya because, like, what, Gaddafi? We needed to go into Iraq, what, because of Saddam? We needed to go into, uh, to uh, you know... The, well, I'm not sure, you know, anyone, even the most diehard Republicans, or, or, actually or, accept you know, they, those they reasonings. Actually, in, in 53, they, the... I mean, I'm not, I'm not at all sure that anyone actually accepts that we needed to take out Saddam or Gaddafi or even Assad. I think that it's just a convenient excuse for them to put forward to people. Well, at the time, they accepted. I, I was in support of the Iraq war when they were trotting out all this stuff. They got me, you know, they had me at that point. I wasn't the libertarian that I am today. You know, those people are building a nuclear weapon. Our government says Colin Powell says so. All right. I guess we're gonna have to do something about it. Fair point, but they lied to you. Yes, right, right. It's it's always. I guess I, that's a false premise. But I probably supported every war that was up to that point, and now I'm against the next one too. Whatever it is, you know, whatever it is that they're gonna trot out, I already know that the lies are going to occur. How do we get that and instill that in the young people's minds? Because those are the ones they're not looking for a 48 year old guy to go out there and carry a weapon and fight anymore. It's the young people that need to be told that the government's going to lie to you about the next war. I swear to God. 855-450-FREEISM. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airways. Let us know what's on your mind. It's 855-450-3733 or 855-450-FREE, as in Free Talk Live. With you tonight, it's Aria, Melanie, and Mark. And there is interesting stuff going on. Mark, why don't you tell us about it? Well, I want to tell you about the AMP program at amp.freetalklive.com. If you go to amp.freetalklive.com, you can do as Juggalokan has done and AMP the program. You can support us in our mission to bring the ideas of liberty to as many people as we possibly can, to spread the ideas far and wide. And we're on more than 200 radio stations now, and that's thanks to the amplifiers who've supported us, many of them for years. Amp.freetalklive.com gives you the opportunity to help us reach more people. Also, consequently, we also give people the opportunity to speak that would never be heard otherwise. If you think that's valuable, well, go to amp.freetalklive.com. I believe those are the things we bring to the world. Uh, and if you think those things are valuable, then a little bit of support will help us bring more of it. 
amp.freetalklive.com. Now, Craig Wright is a lunatic, it would seem. At least that's that's my perspective of the issue. For People those, need to know who Craig Wright is. Yeah, for <laughs> those who are... The, the first time I ever heard his name was just a few weeks ago when he was trying to sue Roger Ver for saying that he wasn't Satoshi, for calling him a fraud, essentially. Yes. Now, there there is a lot of contention about who Satoshi Nakamoto, the person who wrote the Bitcoin white paper, mined the Genesis block, and the first, like... 60-ish of the first 70 blocks. I don't recall off the top of my head exactly how it went down, but nobody knows who this person was. Right. There's this character. That character is called Satoshi Nakamoto, and he or she or whomever it is, it's a pseudonym. We know that much for certain. Um, Not actually a Satoshi Nakamoto, although there is some poor Japanese professor that's been chased around whose name is Satoshi Nakamoto. Wow. That's probably not him. Um, (laughs) Highly unlikely to be him. He says it is not him and just wishes that most people would leave him alone. But he probably has more uh, uh, eyes on his work than he ever had before. So maybe that's a it might be some it, it might be. Uh, you know, with with some uh, joy, he is annoyed uh, that uh, you know people are looking at his work. But anyway, Satoshi Nakamoto is this character that basically created cryptocurrency and is credited with this. And uh, you know, everybody wants to know who it is. Well, and Craig Wright wants everyone to know, or at least to believe, that it's he that he is Satoshi Nakamoto to the extent where he he's falsified information at least. Uh, appears to have just copied the first, I think it was 70 public addresses that were ever uh, mining Bitcoin and claimed to ownership of them, even though one of the people who actually owned the addresses came forward and said, hey, actually, this is mine. You seem to have just copied and pasted this information from blockchain.info. <laughs> and he doesn't really seem to know the inner workings of cryptocurrency judging from things like that. Yeah, because you could just go get any public address. You're not going to necessarily know who it belongs to. Right. But public addresses are public. public. Right. I could find out what your address is. You could go to, uh, let's see, tip. Uh, tip.freetalklive.com or bitcoin.freetalklive.com. There are addresses right there. You could go click through, look at uh, all the information about that address, and then claim that address is yours if you wanted to. But we could demonstrate that it isn't. And I think this is a highly important when talking about Craig Wright. Yeah. If Craig Wright is Satoshi Nakamoto, Craig Wright could move one Bitcoin from one of the Genesis wallets to another Genesis wallet, you know, the Genesis blocks, one, one of the early blocks to the um, another one of the early uh, block wallets, wherever sure. these things are kept, and prove indisputably that he is Satoshi Nakamoto. All he would have to do, all I would have to do is go on the radio right now and say, I am, in fact, Satoshi Nakamoto, and I will prove it tomorrow around noon Eastern time, sometime between noon and 1 a.m., 1 p.m., excuse me, I am going to move one Bitcoin from one of these early wallets to another one of these early wallets. And that should indisputably prove it, right? It won't be indisputable, but... No, it, it would it, be if that very happens. close, though. It, 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 a lot of people would be paying a lot of attention as to whether or not I was Satoshi Nakamoto at that point. I, it's, it's also worth pointing out that many of these early wallets, the coins have never moved. They just stayed there. And those right. early wallets, 
And if Craig Wright has the power to move those, now maybe it's possible to lose the keys for a wallet. I did that. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we, we lost some Bitcoin as a result. And lots Certainly. of people have. So it's possible that Craig Wright is Satoshi Nakamoto and can't do this. But if he's Satoshi Nakamoto and did do this, it would be indisputable that he was. I think that the biggest piece of evidence that he is not Satoshi Nakamoto is that he is claiming to be Satoshi Nakamoto. Right. You would have to you would have to either be a Fed or straight up crazy insane to make that claim. If they ever find this guy, whoever he really is, they're going to kill him. That's Satoshi Nakamoto could very true. well be killed. Yeah. Um what I did not know was that he is the reason that Bitcoin SV came into existence. Oh, yes. And that SV is Satoshi's supposed to vision for, is what yeah, it stands for. Satoshi's vision. And he, he made all these ludicrous claims that he was going to somehow take down Bitcoin cash and then take down <laughs> Bitcoin and do all kinds of things. Yeah, that didn't work out. Right. I mean, this... It's, I, I don't even know what to call him. I mean, like he's like Hitler without the military. Just, you know, just talking, yickety-yackety, yickety-yackety. And still people, still people believe this guy is Satoshi Nakamoto. There are people out there that still believe that. I mean, the evidence that he's not is, and, and obviously it's not our job to prove that he's not Satoshi Nakamoto, no. but the evidence that he isn't is pretty substantial at this point. The evidence that he is is, is all that's important. Craig Wright, if he wishes to be considered Satoshi Nakamoto, needs to present evidence, not yickety-yak. Until then, he's a lunatic. But he's never been able to produce any evidence. Not enough. I I wasn't aware of him producing any whatsoever. He's done a few sort of uh, potential sleight-of-hand tricks. So very early on, Gavin Andreessen, the former former head developer of Bitcoin, met Craig Wright, and I think it was in the UK. And Craig Wright did this sort of magic show. Where he uh, pulls out of like a brand new computer that they went to the store and bought and said, I'm going to, you know, sign the documents, you know, sign a, uh, you know, whatever in some manner. And he convinced Gavin that he was the only, you know, that he he had this ability to do this. And if he had the ability to do it, he would be the only one who was uh, able to do it. Now, Gavin isn't some kind of forensic um, IP specialist or whatever. I don't even know the terms for this. Gavin's, right. uh, you know, was the former head developer of Bitcoin. He's an expert, but not a specific expert. And Gavin has acknowledged, well, I got tricked. I mean, I've right. gotten tricked before, too. I mean, we all have. And, uh, you know, it just takes a b- big person to say, well, yeah, got, I got fooled. So Craig Wright has been making this claim for quite a while. That yeah, he's Satoshi. Years. Going back years. Yeah. To the point, I believe the Australian government is looking into his finances because they want the money, right? Craig, right. Satoshi Nakamoto is rich. Oh, I have no doubt. Very, very <laughs> rich. Well, they, he, he may not be using that wealth, but he is rich if, he has, if he's alive and has control of those keys. Right. So, now, isn't there the leading theory among people who know this particular subject is that the real satoshi was a person and they they think it's probably this guy who died a number of years ago that's who i think it is but um you know it could i don't know right it could be literally anyone there is a guy that was considered to be the second guy into bitcoin and i don't know his name um off the top of my head i've i've known it before and i've been able to rattle it off but at this moment in time it escapes me 
And that guy had some kind of debilitating disease, Looked uh, ended up looking like, um, geez, here's another name that's escaping me, whoever, the, Stephen Hawking, right? He's just a, a mess. He was in terrible pain, and uh, he passed away a few years ago. And Tragic. I would presume at some point his wife's going to want to cash in those uh, uh, those those uh, coins, those early coins. But maybe he told her, just leave him alone, honey. I don't know. Uh, maybe there's just going to be some time between now and then. I don't know what the plan is, but you know, I we, think that, we may certainly never know. I think that Satoshi Nakamoto is a small group of people, probably three, and that that guy was one of them. So that seems to be more likely than that it was just one individual. It does seem right. more likely to think that it was probably two or three people. But Craig Wright wants you to believe that it was him. And in order to facilitate that belief, he has now copyrighted the Bitcoin white paper. And Melanie, <laughs> I assume <laughs> I assume you know more about copywriting oh things like this than any of us. So when we get back, don't go yeah. anywhere. 855-450-3733. I'm going to copyright toilet paper in the break. <laughs> Good luck, Mark. The Bitcoin.com wallet is a simple and powerful full-featured wallet that allows you to send and receive Bitcoin, BTC, and Bitcoin Cash, BCH, with anyone, anywhere in the world. It supports both single and multi-signature wallets and is available in multiple languages. The Bitcoin.com wallet is available on Windows, Linux, Mac, Android, and iOS devices. Use the Bitcoin.com wallet to buy, send, store, and receive both Bitcoin, BTC, and Bitcoin Cash, BCH. Learn more at wallet.bitcoin.com. That's wallet.bitcoin.com. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airways. Your toll-free number is 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And we've been laughing at Craig Wright and his Bitcoin SV, which did soar 90% while after he copyrighted or filed for the copyright of the Bitcoin white paper. And as I understand it, uh, the Patent Office of the United States doesn't actually look into the veracity of a claim nope. when somebody files a copyright. But before we get further into it, let's go to the phones. We've got Lazio from New York. Lazio, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, thank you for having me. Hello, all. Hello, what's on um, your mind? I'm, I'm not at all uh, uh, connected with the Laszlo who, with the 10,000 Bitcoins for the pizza recently, you know, oh. that's in the news. Um, I'm sorry I to am, hear that. I, yeah, he, great, great guy, I guess. But uh, and I like the name from the Real Genius movie with Val Kilmer from the 80s. Not familiar with if it. You sorry. The character Laszlo. I'll take your anyway. word for it. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, a very profound statement to make before I go into the Bordetarian issue and uh, about, uh, uh, you know, uh, God love us, loves us all. And um, uh, uh, Is that the profound rule, statement? No. Okay. <laughs> about uh, 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 live and let live, you know, be and let be. I have cats. I have two cats. I've had them for about a decade now. And I was recently looking at one of them because they tend to kind of know how much equally I dole out the love to each of them. They seem to want to like spar with each other. So they don't necessarily hurt each other, 
but they always resort to that when I give each of them equal love. Well, I mean, that's and cats. I, at, I mean, to be yeah, to be fair, but, cats love playing. I mean, to them, it is play. Even when it gets to the point, again, they're not hurting each other, but one always pins the other one down because he's bigger and he bites them little. And he, you know, yelps, you know, so they're indoor cats. So I said to both of them, as I'm looking at one of them, Daddy loves you. Why can't you love each other equally as Daddy loves you? I feel like this is coming to an analogy. Is this uh, the the God loves you thing? Is that what we're talking about? Think about it, yes. God loves you. Why can't you all love each other equally? You know what I mean? I guess avarice okay. would be the, the 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 guess, but go ahead. Yes. Okay. Borderian issue and open borders people. I think I have the good the the, the great solution to it all. Um, think about this. How about a giant Panama Canal, nineteen hundred miles long between the borders? Well, it's why sounds, have a border though? I, no, but well, dig it. Dig where's it, the water going to come dig from? It, um, about a hundred feet deep. 20 miles wide and 1,900 miles to see it. So you're solving five problems. The climate change alarmists. How so? so? You can lower the sea level. Okay, there's more space for sea level. Right. Okay. And you have all of the buildup like of uh, Alcapulco along all of that area. They're 20 miles apart. Follow me? So you can build. How how wide is the the canal again? 20 miles, he said. Uh, As wide as you want 10 miles, 20 miles. It's wide. I mean, why are we doing this it, at all, though? It is still my question. Uh, a job works program. Um, it would be that. It, it, it'll solve five problems at once, and it will give the people freedom to cross. I, I need to hear really the solutions. Sounds okay. like it's going to create a lot of problems. So, so global. You said that it's going to help global warming with the uh, you know sea levels, which I think is mitigable. Right. All right. What's what are the I, rest of the problems? I think it global solves? warming is a sham. Go ahead. Okay. Yes. Next. Problem one, the, the, you're solving. Uh, Two? You're putting a lot of people to work. You have 1,900 miles All right, a, to dig. A government program uh, to get people to work. All right, two? Yay, more malaria Probably deaths. Probably both sides, right? Um, you're, um, you're creating resort cities all along both borders. I don't know that I'm entirely going to disagree with that. Like, I think people would prefer, would like this. If you can get the water to wash through there, there'll be, need to be a system of pumps. But yeah, I mean, at this point, whatever. Well, no, no, no. Yes, Mark, but not, not, not as a canal, though, as, yeah. as the ocean itself. You There's know no I mean? canal that's ever been like this. I mean, this is a heck of a I'm canal. I'm not trying to create a canal. I'm trying to create more ocean is what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying? I, I see so it. You're not going to create more wide. ocean by digging a hole. Sorry again, Melanie? You're not going to create more ocean by digging a hole, which is what you're describing, digging really? a 20, 20 foot it. by... Or, Think about it. Which, well, I mean, if, logically, if, it does... I mean, simplistically, if, if it does seem melt, like that would work. Go ahead. But it Sorry. isn't actually that simple in the real world. And I think that's where the disconnect no, it's not is. Simple to do, obviously not. It's like a great job works program. I mean, this would make the great pyramids look like sides. nothing. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Who's going to pay saying. for that's this? Why... <laughs> you are, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I am not paying for this. People... No, not the taxpayers. I don't want. No, no. It's, it, this is a voluntarist kind of thing. I'm who's who's going to do it to then? Make both sides happy. 
How are you going to get the huh? land? Because people do own land on the border on both that's, sides. That's that I haven't thought through, Melanie. Please, can you help me? I thought through a lot of it, but not well, yet. I would just be in favor of not stealing a, a hell of a hell of a lot of land. I mean, that would be my solution. I mean, you would have to well, buy the land that from land them. That land was previously allocated, and a lot of the Rio Grande is considered kind of half of the Rio Grande is Mexico, and half of it is Texas, right? Okay, well, that's one river in one spot. You're talking about all the land yeah, on the border for 20, 20 feet or 20 miles. Yeah. Tw- no, like, no, no, go, you know, go 100 feet deep or more, but go 20 miles wide. Yeah, so 20 so miles on either side of the border. There's That's a lot of land that's owned by a lot of different people. That's true. I haven't, th- thank you. I mean, <laughs> please think about it. Help me. Well, my solution is don't so steal it. <laughs> like, I, 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 I mean, I don't want this I, program, know, so I don't so have mean, a solution I mean, to fix it. I don't think it needs to be fixed. Think about all of the work that that would provide for people on both sides of the border. Well, I mean, we could just have that's them all. dig a hole and then refill in that hole. That that creates work too. Well, that's, that's my point about the climate change alarmists. You know, you shut them up. Well, you don't have to worry about But you don't believe in climate change. It would uh, huh? put the United States in a nice position because it'd be in charge of a canal that would be, uh, presumably, if this could well, be no, done. I don't even know if this is only on their possible. Half of the side because then it would be di- divided down the half. It or, may know, be easier to make a moon colony to, so, than to do this. I don't know. So we would have to split the bill with Mexico since half of it is going to belong to them, right? Or, or the... Or the or the whole other nations of the earth that, that want to do business with those uh, and make investments in the properties that will be building surrounding them at the time. Think about new beachfront property is my point. That's what you're going to have. What is the next problem this is going to solve? Um, is it the brown people? I, Folks crossing I, the border No, I'm not even right? concerned about the brown people. I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. That's not my... Well, then I, why I'm, do we want the border? Because I'm not sold on that yet. I want a free open. No, free open. I, I can go back and forth to Mexico easily, but I just need to use a boat. You don't have because to. I'm going to, ch- I'm going to solve the climate change problems. But no, you you, you can't go back and forth easily. You're going to have to pay some fare, and you're going to have to be dependent upon the governments who you have allowed to well, claim that waterway. Okay, because it's because it's land, you don't have to pay a fare now? Is that what you're saying? We don't go through blue glove blue love? You do, but you side? shouldn't. Just because this is right. the way it is, I'm not going to argue as to the right. way it should be. I'm saying you have, sh- you have a shipping lane open for, from east to west, right? You have, I mean, think of all the commerce that will be generated from the, uh, all of the cities that would sprop up. Uh, you would enrich Mexico and all of South America. They would flood to the northern, their northern border at that point. Follow what I'm saying? I, I, I think that I, I would have to see feasibility of just doing this. I can't even imagine. This is a colossal undertaking. But you're right. I mean, you know, there would be lots of jobs created. And if it's not government uh, mandated, if it's not done through taxpaying dollars, then I, again, I'm for everything that's voluntary. So this would be voluntary. I'm for it. I would, before you get my investment money, though, uh, I, I'm going to need to know how possible is this? Like, what kind of undertaking would this be? Laszlo, thank you so much for the call. That's certainly a take on the border that I've never heard before. Never. 
It's free talk live. Give us a call. Let us know whatever is on your mind. That's 855-450-FREE as in freedom. That's 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And Mark, you got something on your mind, it looks like? Mostly what's on my mind is how many (laughs) Mount Everests would be built by the medium is what I'm going to call it. The the sand, the dirt, whatever that you dug out of a 20 mile wide canal that ran from the Pacific to the Atlantic Ocean <laughs> along the U.S.'s southern border. Well, to be fair, I, I rounded quite a lot and I just realized I did 100 meters deep instead of 100 feet deep. Okay. So it would it would be about a third of this realistically it, rather okay. than four billion cubic meters. It would be about. One and a half billion. <laughs> so to make it a hundred feet versus a hundred meters deep, you would then have. Uh, let's see. To make it a hundred meters, I can tell you that it would be nineteen thousand Mount Everests. <laughs> <laughs> so if it was only a third of that, okay. So we're it, just making a new moon, right? I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know how many. Uh, I don't know how deep shipping shipping ships. Shipping ships, ships, shipping ships. I don't know how deep these things go, but you're going to have to be ready for the shipping ships of the future, which will be going deeper, I presume. Right? I, I would assume so. So I don't know if 100 feet is sufficient. So you want to go with 100 meters? If you were to do 100 meters, and that's a good sized hole. If you were to do a, <laughs> an enormous hole. If you were to do 100 meters, you would have 19 thousand five hundred and twelve mount everest's worth of medium and that's actually a low number because mount everest is compacted right like a mount everest has been there a while it's not just (laughs) shifting sands or anything like that if you're just taking sand and you're dropping it in a pile then you probably would get something like double this so you're really in the range of something like forty thousand mount everest's of stuff yeah and we're looking at um what looks to be just off the top of my head, there's a lot of zeros here, uh, about uh, 25% of the ocean dumping into this canal. Really? Yeah, there's no way that's right. I'm that doing something, right. maybe 2.5%. Like I said, there's a lot of zeros here well, that I'm looking at. The gentleman, um, Ladlo, Ladlo, who uh, purported it, it did, it did purport it as a solution to global warming. I would kind of think that you're going to want to get your depth ahead of time. This isn't the kind. This isn't the kind of thing you get another shot at. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not once you open the the final two, you know. Right. You need to build several. You need to start digging in several locations, yeah. and then connect those locations, and then knock out the last little wall bits and watch the most torrential. <laughs> <laughs> like this makes Noah's flood look uh, look look tame. You know, like. Sh- it comes in, you know, like it clashes in the middle and like Tucson is blown to the moon. <laughs> it's exciting. It's an exciting project, I've got to say. It is. I, I would love to see it just for the spectacle. I I think I, I think want, we need thinkers like this. Where Somebody are we going to put the 8,000 Mount Everest, I, though? I'm going to build my own sovereign nation in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico is what I'm going to do with it. I mean, that's not a terrible idea. I mean, it's certainly uh, these man-made islands are a thing now. But I will be building on top of oil reserves, which means the United States government will have to invade me. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And and they'll have a nice new waterway through which to launch that invasion. Yeah, 
new naval bases in, uh, you know, coming through um, New Mexico and that sort of thing? It's certainly something that I would like to see. I'm surprised by the sheer volume that we're talking about here. Four billion cubic meters of dirt. That's, that's gargantuan. It is gigantic. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I want to tell you real quick about My Magic Mud. Is oral care important to you? Do you want to have a whiter, cleaner smile and fresh breath? My Magic Mud is a black tooth powder made of charcoalized coconut shells and bentonite clay. That sounds crazy, right? Well, we on Free Talk Live have been using My Magic Mud since they were just getting started. It's been years now, and I can testify that this is an awesome product. So indispensable to my life is that uh, I haven't been without it since the very first time I tried it. And I use it about every four days to every seven days. Um, I would recommend if you're going to do it, use it for four days in a row and then use it every, you know, three, four, five days, something like that afterward. And you'll see the effects. It's clinically proven to whiten teeth. And you'll see that within those first four days. And um, I think it cleans better than regular toothpaste, too. You can get My Magic Mud at most local health food stores, Sprouts, Natural Grocers, CVS, and Walmart's Natural Beauty Aisle. But you can get 20% off with code FTL20 at MyMagicMud.com. FTL20, MyMagicMud.com. Awesome. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Kenneth, who is calling in about a previous topic we were discussing. Calling in from Colorado. Kenneth, you are on Free Talk Live. Hey there. I'm your stereotypical uh, libertarian crypto fan. Awesome. And uh, go ahead. Yeah, that's us here too. Yeah. And uh, I'm rather paranoid uh, about uh, my wallet and so forth. And it occurred to me that I don't really want to keep crypto on my phone. So um, I was just doing a sort of a mental... uh, challenge to myself uh why not use and this seems to be kind of avant-garde in the context of the way it was once thought of but why not use a paper wallet as your wallet you could go and send money to a paper wallet and carry that around inside your billfold and you don't have to worry about your phone being hacked or anything because you know spend out of it though well you're gonna have a qr code on it right Yep. And there's also been reports of uh, paper wallets being hacked. Yeah, how is it going to be hacked when it's in your wallet? I don't know the answer to that. Well, they they have NFC readers and things like that. What's Um, an NFC reader? Yeah, well, I'm talking about a paper wallet. So you can't electronically hack a piece of paper. Well, uh, you can't spend out of a paper wallet, um, I mean, that I know of. No, the majority of the paper wallets... The majority of the paper wallets, as they're called, are actually transmitting some sort of information. You can't pull crypto, so you need more than a QR code to spend. What you're talking about is cold storage, not necessarily a paper wallet. No, this is my point. My, My challenge is that it would be just as good as an actual wallet. Now, maybe it needs, maybe this needs to be modified. Maybe it doesn't, and I will try this and get back with you if I'm correct. But let's say that it's not possible. It should be something you can do because it's something that cannot be electronically hacked and you can carry it around. And the only thing you got to worry about is losing it like you would a hundred dollar bill or something. So do you mean to keep your so there's um, for a paper wallet can have two QR codes. You can have one that is the private keys to that paper wallet. Yeah, you don't. 
Right, you want the private key to be separate. You don't want that on that piece of paper. Okay, then, the then what you're talking about, you, you cannot spend out it. of. You can't. You can't. Okay, but you sh- certainly not. But Kenneth, okay, well, I like. You- I like where you're thinking on this subject. Uh, certainly, you know, give it a shot. Uh, you you have this idea. You know, go for it uh, and give us a call. Let us know how it turns out. Because I mean, if you can come up with a way for people to actually carry their cryptocurrency around in a secure manner without you know having their phone hacked or anything like that, it would be a huge gift to the crypto community. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. This eight five five four fifty free as in freedom. Business owners, you want more customers? Accept cryptocurrencies. There's people all around you just waiting to spend money at your store. If only you would take it. I know, you've been waiting till someone else makes it easy. Well, good news. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com adds Bitcoin to your point of sale, totally free. Use the same equipment you already have, now with Bitcoin. And unlike credit cards, there's no fees. Let the guys at HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com bring new customers to your store. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com This is Free Talk Live. Tell us whatever's on your mind. Give us a call at 855-450-FREE, as in freedom, 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And we've been all over the place a little bit, but Mark, I think you've got something you need to share with us. Yeah, are you trying to reach the crypto market? Or perhaps you want to spread mass awareness of your crypto technology. Either way, you need a communications company that specializes in the field. Leveraging 35-plus different brands, part of the investor brand network, and more than 5,000 downstream distribution partners, Cryptocurrency Wire combines the power of specialization with mass market reach. With their help, you can start connecting with crypto-friendly journalists and more than 1.6 million followers. Their commitment is to get the most eyes possible on your big news while it's fresh. Domestic, international. They can reach 56 different countries and also provide translation services. Even if your company um, is an important, relevant newsmaker, you need someone that specializes in the field to get your message heard. CryptocurrencyWire.com. We've used them here on Free Talk Live to much success. CryptocurrencyWire.com. So cool service. I might need to look into that for Call of Freedom. They've been great. They were great for us. Uh, we released the news about the orphanage through them. Got picked up in several, um, you know, several news things. Talkers Magazine found it that way. We never get. We never get stories in Talkers. Very cool. Well, let's go back to the phones. We've got Gabriel calling from Pennsylvania. Gabriel, you are on Free Talk Live. God bless America. All right. I live in a free country in spite of ugly people like you that shouldn't even exist. People shouldn't exist? Oh. Wow. Send the military after them. They won't. Yeah. What are we doing to make the country not free so that it's in spite of us? There you go. That's a good question. I mean, nothing existing ultimately at the end of the day. You know, a lot of people are uncomfortable with the existence of anything that is outside of their normal worldview or whatever they agree with right yeah i i think melanie you one might argue that uh that it, it is the brave men and women of the military following the orders of the lying and thieving politicians in washington dc who keep us free 
And therefore, um, people who do not support the brave men and women of the military who are, uh, you know, following the orders of liars and thieves in Washington, D.C., that if it wasn't for them, we would not be free. So since we uh, we don't show the proper support for those people, then we must be anti-America, anti-freedom, anti-all these things. Well, there's a lot of bad assumptions in that. Oh, yeah, that's a mess. I mean, namely that the U.S. government is literally the one responsible for us not being free. Well, so it, the idea that a brave uh, you know, person is keeping you free by well, not just following orders, but if they don't follow orders, they go to jail of liars and thieves. Like somehow the person who's working for the liars and thieves in Washington, D.C., is... Uh, the, the results of their hard labor, even if they're, you know, I mean, no one's going to say that the young men and women of the military aren't giving their their blood, sweat and tears to their uh, their particular tasks. Well, certainly. Well, so and even if you believe all that, I'm not aware of any impeding of the U.S. military that I do. No, I don't stop them. No, I would like to. I mean, ideologically. I don't want to actually stand in the way of their tanks and their jets. Like, no, you can't Which launch this. Would it actually stop them anyway? So no, they would plow right through me. Yeah, they, they they wouldn't stop at all. So we've been talking about Craig Wright and his relationship to Bitcoin and his latest attempt to submit that position by claiming not just to be Satoshi, but to actually copyright the Bitcoin white paper. Which unfortunately, someone is going to have to actually contest in court in order for the U.S. government to reject it. Is that correct? Because what I've heard is that they just essentially first come, first serve. Yeah, so it's more or less first come, first serve. Then you would have to prove that you created the thing first, and then the person who filed first would get the copyright denied. Now, how does this apply in regard to the Bitcoin white paper, which is all over the internet? At this point. So someone else... I mean, is it not public domain and uncopyrightable? No. So someone else would have to, A, claim that they wrote it and B, prove that if he gets this copyrighted first in order to, not just for them to hold the copyright, but to make Craig not hold the copyright. Right. So a person could not only, uh, you know, probably fail to prove that they are the actual copyright holder and that Craig Wright is a fraud, but they could simply prove that Craig Wright is a fraud um, by, you know, in their suit also, right? Well, so They wouldn't have standing to sue him, though. Yeah, so you would not have to prove, I mean, you would, in fact, prove this kind of collaterally, but you would have to prove not that he's committing fraud and didn't write it, but you would have to prove that you did write it. Right, because otherwise you wouldn't have standing to sue. But what if you? Well, that's also true, but okay, it's so, also the, that would be what your claim would have to be. Well, hold on. Um, so, if I c- filed a claim um, that said that I am Satoshi Nakamoto, and uh, Craig Wright had also pr- filed one, but he filed it before me, and so uh, Mike, for whatever reason, I'm the guy who gets the uh, the case. Uh, you know, the judge says, "All right, I'll hear your your stupid case," and uh, it, it, is. <laughs> it is, and I in the case I can prove that unequivocally craig wright is not satoshi nakamoto and did not write it doesn't matter okay will he will he be able to retain the copyright at that yes. point he will retain the copyright even if he is not uh satoshi nakamoto the only thing that they can that yeah, I, I mean they probably won't even let you introduce evidence that he is not satoshi Maku- 
photo or that he did not write the paper. Let me ask you this. Because the claim is that you did. Okay. If you just put the Bitcoin white paper on like the Pirate Bay or something and you're extremely open about it, let's say his claim is upheld for what and he's given the copyright. It sounds like somebody's could be. It may be his. I don't know. And let's say he attempts to enforce copyright law against you by saying, hey, you're sharing my white paper. Would you then have standing to sue and say, well, this is not your white paper? That would be. I don't think so. I don't know that that's ever been done before. Um, What your defense would essentially be that his copyright claim isn't valid. I don't know that it's not valid legally, though. Well, I, I could. Can I file a copyright on the Bible? I think technically you, Bibles are copyrighted by whom the the various publishers translators. But Probably. I'm talking about the actual seminal work uh, from which they, they get these like things. the original texts. Yeah, whatever. Whatever they're getting. I don't know this if stuff that's from. U.S. domain. How Can, about the Dead Sea Scrolls? If he was to buy a, a Dead Sea Scroll, would he be able to copyright it? I don't know what the legal status of the Dead Sea Scrolls are. Well, let's say, you know, in theory, he could maintain ownership of it. He could get and own it. That would make their legal status his property. I mean, that's I mean, a separate it, issue from copyright, though. Well, there, Fair are, point. there are documents in the world that, um, that we certainly know I am not the author of, right? Yeah. So you, you're. And I know that Craig Wright is not yeah. the author of the Bitcoin white paper. You're also. So you, even if you were to copyright the Dead Scrolls, the, your issue you might run into is that the copyright would be. I don't know if this is the proper terminology, but like retroactively expired because you get like so many years and it's it's been that long. I I just think the possibility that it's that it's even remotely feasible in whatever way we may have to twist the circumstances to make it possible that someone could copyright the Dead Sea Scrolls. That to me is the absurd. Oh, yeah, it's completely obnoxious. But. You and, know, this is IP law. You know, in speaking of Satoshi and Bitcoin, um, from what I've read of Satoshi's works and from what I understand of him, he is the very or she is the very last person who would attempt to weaponize the state in this way against someone else or against the public as a whole saying, hey, this is mine and you can't have it kind of runs counter yeah. to the entire principles behind bitcoin i mean this is nothing but someone thinking that they're going to try to destroy it this is not somebody protecting their work obviously no now is it not possible that he's doing all of this to try to draw out the real satoshi maybe i don't know he just seems psychotic to me 855-453 let us know what you think This is Free Talk Live. There's still time if you call now to get on the lines. Numbers 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And speaking of the phones, we're going to go now to David calling in from New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Well, a couple things. I sound distracted as I'm shooting cows with the pellet gun while I talk to you. That sounds kind of cruel. What the cows ever do to you? Yeah, come in my yard and and destroy everything. Wow. Okay. Well, do think, I guess. Uh, do you think you're successfully teaching them, or just at this point, is it just par- targeted uh, practice? It's it's both actually. That's that's funny psychology. Funny funny you mentioned it because I leave the gate wide open, and mo- 
It sounds like you're the one who needs to be taught something. Wait, are they your cows or are they somebody else's cows from like down the road? They're somebody else's cows. This is open range. They they, they go wherever they want to. You got to fence them out. But they never come in. The the only ones that ever come in are the ones that there's one that'll, one here and there that'll jump the fence. They won't use the gate because most of them I got trained. There's like 180 of them all together out here. And I, I got almost all of them trained except for one or two that occasionally will jump the fence. But the rest of them will walk right by the open gate without coming in because they've all been shot before. I, I have never seen yeah. a cow jump. How high really? is this fence? <laughs> it, well, it's not as high as the one that jumped over the moon. It's This one is moon. only cows can jump. Um, they, cows jump. I, yeah, I don't doubt can, that they jump. One. I just don't think they would have the the clearance of a three-foot fence well they certainly do because i just watched her jump a three-foot fence while we were talking a, a rodeo bull can clear a six-foot fence okay fair I, points yeah but well, anyhow, i, I yeah, have not jump. spent a great deal of time around cows despite being from mississippi i tend to avoid yeah. them because they smell <laughs> so other than the cows yeah. what's on your mind um, oh, a couple things. Thanks for the memories. I got a couple things, but on that, on your flooding, um, uh, I remember reading something many years ago, Mark, that, um, during that they've, they found evidence, um, in the, in the earth here in North America, I don't know if up in Montana, uh, Canyon lands, Montana, Idaho, Utah, I don't remember exactly Wyoming, exactly where it was. You can probably Google it and find it by searching some keywords when the, when the, um, ice age was ending, and glacial water was melting and forming lakes, and then you'd have ice dams, and then one would break, and, and yep. all that water would be released. And these, this is water that's potentially a mile deep, you know, so it could be a couple hundred feet deep, a uh, thousand feet deep, a couple thousand, up to a mile deep. And then all of a sudden the dam breaks, and it all releases and carries that water and all the boulders and stuff that it picks up along the way. And they found evidence of that happening one specific place in particular in the United States where that happened. And I don't remember the, the details, like how deep the water was, but it was, it was, uh, it was very, very deep. And um, it, it'd be an interest. If you search it, it's actually interesting reading, but um, uh, memories. Uh, thanks for reminding me that, uh, that uh, atomic bomb that my cousin, Ernest Orlando Lawrence was the guy who was in charge of making all of that nuclear material for those first bombs. And, for the uh, atomic bomb that, that was dropped dropped on Nagasaki or Hiroshima or wherever. Yeah, and and the test and the test bombs that uh, preceded. He's the one, Ernest Orlando Lawrence. He he's the one that was in charge of making all of that, and he's the one that got Oppenheimer hired by recommending to General Groves that Groves hire Oppenheimer. And he used to debate he used to debate Oppenheimer on a weekly basis about just fun science stuff, and used to beat him. But yeah, he's. So anyway, that was one memory you remind me of. And then thanks for dredging up another bomb of a memory. My my uh, a, a baby mama ex, a girlfriend of hers, used to date Val Kilmer, the guy who called in and brought up Val Kilmer. Doesn't Val Kilmer like us. live not too far from you? Doesn't he have like a ranch in New Mexico? Are you yeah, shooting his cows? A... Are you shooting Val Kilmer's uh, cows? No, no, I don't think these don't belong to him. These are a little bit, little bit far from his home. He's up in Pecos, which is which is down the road from uh, Santa Fe, like 45 minutes or half hour, 45 minutes. Got a ranch up there. And Very then, uh, cool. That's why, that's why well, I, David, uh, 
really best of luck with the cows. Um, <laughs> I, I would prefer if you not shoot them with stuff. But I mean, if, if you're not injuring them and you're just trying to get them off your property, I mean, they, okay, I get it. If they know that every time they go there, they get shot, maybe they'll quit going there. I don't know how. I don't know if cows are smart enough to figure that out. But. So I had a, uh, I, I, th- I think it was a Crossman 880. This is the kind of uh, pump BB gun that you can pump one time or you can pump it like 10 times. And the, uh-huh. the maximum recommendation is 10 times. But you can actually pump it more than that and get really get it, get it, get it going, right? And <laughs> as a child, I grew up on a farm. And I'm not going to claim to have uh, always had the same set of morals and discretion that I have today. And very upfront of you to admit yeah, that if you like, you know, pump one of these things one time and like, you know, shoot a ca- old cow with it, this possibility doesn't even notice. OK, like, you know, the cows are getting bit by bugs all the time. And sure. we used to shoot each other with these things pumped one time or so. However, if you shoot a bull in the pl- place that makes him a bull. <laughs> That dangly, the dangly parts that uh, hang underneath that one, that one uh, I got it. <laughs> sack area, um, he notices right away. Like jump, that jumping thing that you're talking about. Yes, yes, he he notices in that manner. I mean, isn't that how they get bulls riled up for rodeos and things like that in the first place? Not by shooting them there necessarily, but by agitating them painfully. I don't know um, how they get bulls ready in a rodeo, but I mean, I'd hate to be the, the guy whose job it is to, uh, you know, go after, you know, to, to massage the bull's scrotum, um, you know, before the, 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 the event. I, I will say it would have to pay very well. Yeah. If, and even then, I don't think the idea of getting on top of that bull is probably the best idea, but hey, to each their own, whatever people find entertaining. You got to have a hobby. Yep. Let's go to the phones one last time. We got Mark calling in from Denver. Mark, your own free talk live. What's on your mind? Yes. Thank you for having me. I I really uh just wanted to uh say I don't understand why you don't appreciate uh, or are thankful for the people who gave their lives for our freedoms in america uh because they didn't get their lives for our freedom i did a whole show on wanting to see the people who commit suicide be recognized uh during a memorial day so i think that i can say that i do care about that but i mean how do you respond to aria's claim that in fact they don't uh protect freedom well i mean whether you agree with the the politicians that send them off to oh, die, that's what it is. Okay, so uh, you're, you're not, talking about the statement uh, I made that young people following the orders of liars and thieves in Washington right. D.C. Okay, great, right. awesome. I'm talking about the demonstrable fact well, well, that on. the current military is not protecting our freedoms. I, I, I want to leave that aside. I want to just you know I think that this one's easier to to handle. Do you think the wash that the um, politicians in Washington D.C. are by and large liars and thieves? Oh, I agree. Completely. Okay, great. So, yeah. um, awesome. Uh, then, then we're they were on the same page. So, right. when somebody joins the military, uh, and I was certainly looking to do it when I was a kid, uh, when somebody joins the military, they take an oath. They swear an oath to you know the president and the constitution. So, right. we've got you know one politician at that point, um, and then of course the constitution says that Congress gets to declare war. So. 
we also know that you know the Department of right. Defense is there at the behest of the politicians. You know the things that the politicians want, and that the military-industrial complex wants the politicians to want, and all this stuff. That all that stuff is is that you're signing up as a young person. You're signing up to obey the orders of liars and thieves. Is that a correct statement? I agree with that, Mark. Okay, great. Yes. That, that's all I'm saying. They are I, acting in the service of liars right. and thieves. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that they're, you know, I, I'm not saying anything else other than we are tricking generation after generation after generation of people. And at some point, somebody has to speak clearly about what this job is. This but job. Mark, they still gave their lives and their limbs and their blood yes. and their guts. Yes. And I still. But it was not in defense on this of freedom. Day, Memorial Day 2019, I still. Uh, you know, appreciate everything they did. I appreciate bravery, and I would say that many of them were brave. What did they do for you that you appreciate? Well, uh, for example, uh, you know, the men of Iwo Jima. I mean, they gave her, they gave their lives to defeat an evil empire, and I appreciate that. They gave their lives in the Battle of the Bulge to defeat Hitler, who was going to make us all into... Uh, our skins into lampshades. I mean, you know, well, I, I, well, I don't Mark, think Hitler would have got here, but um, I we don't have much time to, yeah. to uh, you know, to debate it. But I appreciate it on this Memorial Day. Thank you for your call. This has been Free Talk Live. Don't go anywhere, though. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. 855-450-FREE. Give us a call tomorrow night. Let us know what you think we got wrong. All right, it's another edition of the Edgington Post Show. I am Mark Edge doing another interview here for Free Talk Live. And today I have with me a friend of mine. Well, sort of a friend. I mean, we know each other from Facebook and we've talked quite a bit. Chris Brunner, are you there? I am. Thanks so much for having me on. No problem. So, Chris, um, there has been this sort of movement within the liberty sphere, and maybe not everybody's seeing it, but I've seen it, of people, Americans, picking up and moving to... Uh, American territories, uh, specifically Puerto Rico, and you're in San Juan right now, right? That's right. And they're seeing, I know there's tax benefits to moving to Puerto Rico. I know that the some people are doing like the U.S. Virgin Islands, and I think you have some experience in that area. And more or less, I mean, I could find uh, people to do these things, but I think you're really the best one. You're just, you're just a guy who's done it. So can you tell me, um, you know, A, what you did and why you did it. Yeah, absolutely. So Puerto Rico is in a pretty unique spot. There are basically four unincorporated U.S. territories that U.S. citizens can move to and stop paying the IRS legally for their income that is sourced in those territories. So as U.S. citizens, we are taxed globally based on citizenship. The United States is the only country – uh, the only developed country, I should say, yeah. um, that that practices citizenship-based taxation. So if a British person moves to the United States and works, they pay the U.S. If an American moves to the U.K. and works, uh, they pay both the U.K. and the U.S. So right. no matter where we move on earth, we owe the IRS. The only exception to that are the four unincorporated territories um, so people who who live uh, and, and work in these territories, the people who are bona fide residents of, of these territories um, can't do certain things that other U.S. citizens can do. For example, uh, voting for president and the congressional representatives don't have a vote. Uh, 
Um, but the trade-off is that they're allowed to have their own tax authorities. <clears throat> so Puerto Ricans um, who, who are bona fide residents of Puerto Rico, uh, we can get into the details of that in a second if you're interested, um, only oh, yeah. only pay taxes to the the Hacienda, which is the Puerto Rican tax authority, um, for their Puerto Rican sourced income. If you have income sourced in the U.S. or anywhere else in the world, you still owe the IRS. But if all of your income is sourced in Puerto Rico, then then you do not pay the IRS. Well, I'm interested in what sourced means. But first, I'd like to address uh, voting because people put a disproportionately large value on voting. Um, I can say I did this at one point. I actually, as a cab driver uh, back in the day, you know, uh, it's it's not so easy to be in radio. Sometimes you get kicked to the curb by your station and you've uh, got to get make, make ends meet. So I was driving a cab and I had a lady offer me $20. You know, I mean, you give cab drivers money. It's not that unusual. But in the cab there, she presumed that it wasn't recorded and she was right. Uh, she offered me $20 to vote for, I think it was John Kerry over George Bush. And... I turned her down and <laughs> because, um, you know, I guess I, I weighed my disproportionately weighed my vote over um, the $20, you know, I'm thinking, well, clearly I don't think that this is a good deal. Now, you know, there's there's the sort of the illegality to it and complications and stuff like that. But none nonetheless, clearly, I was not willing to take twenty dollars to uh, do uh, to do that. And a, a vote in a presidential election is a pretty darn worthless thing. Um, it's it's right. if it's not worthless, it's nearly worthless. And I should have taken the twenty dollars and run. No, I agree. I think that's a pretty good deal. I would definitely take the twenty bucks. Um, I see voting is is really a, kind of a religious exercise. Um, it's not something that can directly influence anything. Uh, the the few times that just a handful of votes uh, mattered, you know, it came down to judges' decisions, not the actual votes themselves. So it's it's really just a practice that people engage in, at least in my opinion, <clears throat> to make them. You know, make themselves feel good about having control over uh, over the government. Yeah, that 2000 <clears throat> and it, it, election in Florida. I I don't. I think I voted in that one. But whether I had or not, or not, it wouldn't have made any difference. It like that one vote, one way or the other, would not have made any difference in right. the state of Florida because you know whether it was 535 or 534 or 536 uh, votes that separated the two candidates it wouldn't have made the difference. It only makes a difference when it's the one vote that separates. Now, I have had that happen, but that was at a town meeting in right. rural New Hampshire where there were something like 250 people in the room. That's an entirely different story than voting in a statewide election. Right, absolutely. And the other part of the question is, what are you voting on, right? right. I mean, you know, not everyone feels right about kind of dictating what happens to the property and, and, uh, livelihoods of others. So, well, um, I don't mind voting against least. people, um, you know, using my, uh, my, you know, my and my friends, uh, property against our will, you know, theft. I don't mind voting against ex extortion when it comes out. And that's generally how I use my vote when I choose to use my vote. But, um, when it, if it came to saving on my taxes significantly versus <laughs> voting, um, I'm going to go right. ahead and say that saving on your taxes is a much better deal. I mean, when we're talking about moving to, and what are these four unincorporated territories you're referring to? 
So Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, Guam, and American Samoa. Okay. And if one moves to any one of these three locations, how does uh, how do you benefit? So it's it's about money made, but and where, where's it sourced? So if I were to pick up, let's say I pick up Free Talk Live's uh, you know uh, financial operation here, I sell ads to people around the nation, around the world, frankly, and you know the the dollars come in. If I'm sitting in San Juan like you are. And I'm making my phone calls and doing the stuff I do during the day. Is that money sourced in Puerto Rico or is it sourced in the U.S.? So I'm going to start off by saying I am definitely not an expert yep. on tax matters. And people should definitely seek their own <laughs> you know, professional advice. Who gives advice this advice? <laughs> been taking my advice. Who gives this uh, advice? And it can get pretty complicated even if you're really, really trying to wrap your head around it. But um, the, the short version – uh, at least in, in my case, is that um, my, what made it work for me is that we we moved the entire company to Puerto Rico. Okay, um, and so the the money that I earn from my Puerto Rican company is Puerto Rican sourced because their company is Puerto Rican. That's right. Got it. And the, so there are things at the entity level that you have to watch out for that that get really complicated. Um, yep. But but you know a vast majority of our employees moved here. Our, our office where I'm sitting right now is in San Juan, Puerto Rico. We mm -hmm. legitimately moved. On the personal level, there are a couple of tests that you have to pass in order to be considered a bona fide uh, resident okay. by the IRS. And those are the, the closer connection test and the presence test. The presence test is easy. Uh, the presence test means that you actually spend 183 days or more, so basically half the year or more, in, in the given territory. <clears throat> the closer connection test is a little bit more complicated. Um, so they want to see that you moved, uh, you know, your your personal belongings that you don't have, you know, that you don't own a home like in the states, uh, and you you just rent in Puerto Rico, but you're you're going back all the time, and you really didn't actually move. Okay. Uh, they ask questions about, uh, you know, like where uh, where your cars are, um, you know, where uh, where your personal documents are, I mean, all sorts of things like that. If anyone yeah. wants to look, it's form 8898. Uh, it's like a two page form and there are a list of questions there. They can ask a lot more than that if you actually get audited, but these are the questions that they, you know, this is the form that you file in the tax year after you've moved Okay. Um, to, to let the IRS know that, that you are now a bona fide or consider yourself a bona fide resident of, of one of the U S possessions okay. as they call them. Yeah, I'm looking at it uh, right now, and uh, you know I haven't had a chance to to go through it here. But uh, do you have a home outside the possession at any time during the tax year? See instructions. Do you have a closer connection to the United States or a foreign country than the possession at any time during the year? Um, if you answered yes to line nine or ten, are you using the year of move exception and all this stuff? Right. Yeah. And if you scroll down, you get into questions about. You know, where your cars and where's and your I, automobile located during the tax year? Where's it registered? Right. Where's your where you family located? Right, exactly. Where do you, you know, where do you attend church services? Where I mean, I don't remember the exact phrasing on the form, but, um, you know, they want to know that you're, you know, your social involvement is in the territory and so on. They want to know that you actually moved. So right. this is not something that you can just do on paper, I guess is my not point. Not easily. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> and not legally. 
right? Um, so I'm a big fan of staying out of prison, whether I, I believe that the laws are, are, are just or not. I too am a uh, big fan of staying out of prison. <laughs> so, uh, we, we connect so we, like this, Chris, it's really great. <laughs> Absolutely. So we, you before know, you go on, Chris, I want to advise people if they want to see the rest of this interview to please go to archives.freetalklive.com, go to the podcast archives.freetalklive.com. Okay. And we're back. Terribly sorry, Chris, and I uh, didn't mean to interrupt you there. What was the um, – wh- wh- where were we at? Sorry. I, I lost my train of thought. Okay, but sorry I, about I, that. Okay. Talking about uh, sort of legally being a resident of, uh, in this case, Puerto Rico, but it could be American Samoa, Guam, Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, or the U.S. Virgin Islands. Maybe the Commonwealth of Nora, Northern Mariana Islands, too? Yeah, I- I may not be complete in my list. Those are the four that I pulled out of a uh, uh, a document on the IRS website. I, I think there may be other in- I unincorporated Guam was territory. part of that. No one should ask. Yeah, Guam. Me. Yeah, Guam is is definitely on the list. Um, I'm not sure what other. I don't, I don't know how the tax situation works or the tax rules work for the other territories. Yep. So there may be other unincorporated territories, and I. It's not clear to me. What time zone is Puerto Rico in? Uh, half the year we're Eastern, and so year-round it's AST, Atlantic Standard Time. Um, but since Puerto Rico does not observe daylight savings time, yep. half the year we're we're effectively on Eastern Time. The other half of the year we're an hour ahead of Eastern. Gotcha. Because most of the year, um, Eastern Time is actually in the Atlantic Time Zone. <laughs> right. So you're right. in the Atlantic Time Zone and do not observe daylight savings time. Right, exactly. Right, which and I think for is those fantastic. that under, don't understand my statement, um, when daylight savings time occurs, effectively your time zone jumps one time zone ahead, um, and then when it stops, then you go back to your old time zone. So Eastern time zone jumps to Atlantic time, but Atlantic time is generally jumping to the next one forward. I don't know, like Greenland time or something like that. So it just kind of goes around the globe that way. Right. So, so yeah. It- like, tell me what it was like. <clears throat> Pardon me. Tell me what it was like for you uh, moving there. I mean, how hard was it? What was uh, what were the costs uh, involved? And uh, yeah, let's get get that. Down. Sure. So uh, I'll say it was a lot scarier to me than it actually turned out to be. Um, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't scary, but it sounds a lot more foreign than it really is. Puerto Rico is a place that that's very interesting because uh, the entire island is is basically bilingual. Right. So I, I was concerned about things like language barriers. I didn't know culturally, you know, how difficult it would be to fit in. Um, and it turned out that everyone down here is very friendly. The weather is amazing. Um, I mean, it really is just kind of a paradise. Um, everything I imagine is, people are, are thinking to themselves hurricanes. I'm from Florida and you just can't say the word Florida without people saying hurricane, hurricane. Yeah. You know, the Yankees, they're they're terrified of uh, storms. Yeah, the first thing everything brings up, uh, or everyone brings up when they when they hear me say Puerto Rico is is about Hurricane Maria, which is sort of like since I grew up in Alabama, having you know everyone ask if we had running water. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just something I'm kind of used to at this point. Yeah. People bringing up questions like that, <laughs> um, but everything in Puerto Rico is is fantastic. Everything is back to normal. In fact, I took a trip to San Juan a month or two after the hurricane, and everything was you know felt like it was accepting some very minor superficial damage was a you know pretty back to normal so if you go you know way inland 
you know, there are definitely some areas that were very torn up, but the, the experience that I had here shortly after the hurricane did not match at all what I was seeing and reading, you know, in the U S media. Yeah. It's just not, you just, it just never does. Uh, yeah, they, they, they want to, they, they need the story that looks the worst as it possibly can. And I understand I'm in the business, I get it, but it's, um, you know, it, it generally isn't going to be that way. Plus the fact that, you know, hurricanes sell as evidenced by the fact that whenever we talk about being from Alabama or Florida or whatever, people talk about hurricanes. Well, um, you know, that's uh, when when the when they get all concerned about this and the news, the news sees the opportunity to scare them a little more. And it's all about who you can scare and how much you can scare them. But I lived in Sarasota, Florida for the a better part of my life and never saw a hurricane. Moved up to New Hampshire and one came tearing through here and messed oh. up a bunch of houses and stuff. And then I think it was the same one that went through Hurricane Sandy, if I remember uh, that, that Sandy yeah, Hurricane Sandy or something like that. The one that went through New Jersey and, and whatever. And, uh, you know, it can hit anywhere, but people seem to associate these places with those things. I, I, hear, I would imagine Puerto Rico does see hurricanes on a relatively regular basis, though. Every few yeah, but they don't, they don't see uh, Category 4 or 5 hurricanes no. like Hurricane Maria more than once every 100 years or so. Okay. So, it, I mean, it does happen. The other thing is that everything here is made out of poor concrete, all of the structures. So it's not like a hurricane came through and knocked everything down. Um, you know, everything is you know, was still standing. There was some superficial damage. It did, I mean, it messed some things up, right? But it the office building that I'm standing in right now is operational two days later. So it's not like everything just got wiped down. Yeah. And that's the other thing that uh, people don't quite get is, is they realize that if they live in some wooden box in the Northeast, yeah, that wooden box would not be able to handle a hurricane. But we have different structures down south and we have to be able to handle these things. So, you know, it, it, there's, there's ways to handle this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But overall, I mean, Puerto Rico has exceeded my expectations in every possible way. I mean, I was very, very pleasantly surprised when I got here. Um, the adjustment wasn't anything like I thought it would be. And like I say, every, everyone is uh, pretty friendly. And it's, uh, you know, all of the, the U.S. brands that you're accustomed to uh, in the mainland are, are not all of them, but most of them are down here. Um, so it really just didn't take a lot of adjusting. So what about um, the tax savings. I mean, is it really, is it really great? Okay. This is the best part. <laughs> so there are two laws that were passed to incentivize people to come to Puerto Rico and yeah. bring their companies. The one for corporations is called act 22. And it basically sets your, your corporate tax rate at 4%. Um, it's pretty good. The, or sorry, act 20 is for corporations, 4%. Yeah. Amazing. And then act 22 is the law for individuals. And it waives all of your income tax on your capital gains, both short-term and long, your interest income, and your dividends. So any money you take out of the company in the form of dividends, assuming you move your company here, uh, completely tax-free. If you sell your company once it's down here, completely tax-free, assuming the basis was reset when you moved. There are a bunch of caveats to everything I'm saying. Yeah, but. Sure. It, it's very, very real. I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing. And you can sleep at night knowing that, you know, you're, the, the tax money that you are paying is going to your local area, right? Not to politicians in D.C. Yeah, it sounds uh, it sounds pretty good. What um, 
surely there's some kind of downside to this whole thing. Can you, sure. can, can you tell me what that is? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there are a few more potholes. Um, yeah. uh, you know, there is a, there's a tariff on, uh, importing, uh, importing vehicles that are not plug-in hybrids or electric. Okay. So you're cars, drive, you're going to drive a golf cart. Gotcha. <laughs> right. And, uh, and you know, I mean, my experience with realtors has, has been subpar. Um, but those are the only three things I can think of since I got down here that, that really stand out to me. Yeah. People use the terminology uh, Island time to describe sort of this, uh, less, more lax attitude towards doing business. Um, have you yeah. found Island time to exist? So there's a little bit of that, not as much as I heard about from other people. Yeah. Uh, but the the Act 20, the law that was passed, is really about exporting services. So my company, all of our customers are outside of Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And so we we don't really – the stuff where you encounter that is the initial setup stuff, You know, getting, getting your power set up, getting your water set up. And there are actually people down here called expediters that will do all that stuff for you for a couple hundred bucks. Okay. So it's once that stuff is out of the way, I haven't had any issues. And so can one move one's corporation down there without moving themselves? Uh, I'm sure you could. Uh, I don't know that you would realize the benefits. And that's that's really um, different enough from my situation that I don't really feel, feel confident yeah. uh, speaking to what the benefits might or might not be. Okay. And where can people go to find out more about this stuff, Chris? That's another great question. Um, there is a, where'd you get the information? (laughs) How's that? (laughs) Um, I, so just lots of Googling there. So our CPA that we use down here, uh, Torres CPA, T O R R E S. Uh, he has a a set of white papers on his website that are probably the best collection of documents I've seen, uh, that explain act 20, act 22 and all the tax consequences. And he's an actual CPA. Um, so that's probably, I mean, that's where I tend to point people, the white paper section of his website, um, and because it's he's got a collection of documents there for just about any, any situation. Um, aside from that, I mean, there's tons of stuff on YouTube and tons of stuff on Google. Um, there are some Facebook groups that are, you know, full of thousands of people that are also doing this. If you search for Act 20, Act 22 on Facebook, um, but those are... It's about all the resources I've found. So it looks like uh, TorresCPA.com and then you look for Act 20 and Act 22, right? Right, exactly. I think this, that's good info, and I really appreciate your time on this. Chris, do you have anything? I, I generally give uh, an interviewee the opportunity to plug whatever they do. Uh, you want to give yourself a quick 30-second uh, uh, elevator pitch? Well, so I, I run a company called Tello, and we do uh, some pretty niche uh, B2B stuff. So I'm not sure that this is, uh, the right audience for that, but I appreciate the opportunity. No problem. And I thank you for coming on and uh, talking about all the benefits. Oh, I, one other thing is, is that I, you know, we of course share a philosophy of libertarianism and we were talking about tax savings. Libertarians love that, but is there anything special about Puerto Rico that might make a libertarian happier in some way? Uh, I mean, it's just a paradise. I mean, I, when I, when I thought about where I'd want to live, you know, 10, 20 years ago, I imagined, you know, maybe someday I can live in the Caribbean. And right. it just happens that that the tax savings are in the Caribbean. So it's really amazing. When I wake up in the morning, I look out at the ocean. Our office has an ocean view. 
Um, so it's, it's really just kind of a, a dream to be able to do this. So I definitely recommend that people check it out. What about dating? I mean, some people are going to go single. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know your uh, romantic situation. I'm single. You are yeah. single? Okay. <laughs> Tell me about dating for a man uh, specifically in um, Puerto Rico. I've enjoyed it here. Um, you know, I mean, it really just depends on your preference. Uh, if, 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 you know, if that, if is it what you find here is to your life. easier to get a date? Easier. Okay. And in my opinion, are you using some of these, um, um, you know, these, uh, computer apps, uh, Tinder, Grindr? I don't yeah, know. I found this technology, uh, called bars and, uh, I go into them <laughs> and that, that's what I've had the best experience with. Okay. And so like you find other people that go into that same bar. No, no, I'm just saying I, I like to do oh, the old fashioned. I've, I've messed around with the apps. Yeah, sorry, I was just joking around. Yeah. The, <laughs> I've, I've checked out the apps down here. It's a little bit different, and uh, I, you know, I like doing it the old-fashioned way. Okay, great. Awesome. Chris, thanks for taking some time with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Bye. Have a great day. I'm a little obsessed with My Magic Mud. Several years ago, I met Jessica Armand, the founder and CEO of My Magic Mud, and I didn't even know my teeth were coffee-stained. A week's worth of use convinced me, and now I use it every three or four days. It's clinically proven to whiten teeth, and I think it cleans better, too. My Magic Mud's available at most local health food stores, Sprouts, Natural Grocers, CVS, Walmart's Natural Beauty Isle, but I can get it for you for 20% off with coupon code FTL20 at My MyMagicMud.com. FTL20MyMagicMud.com.